impossible. We could wait forever. You called her and spoke to her, didn't you? I'm afraid that doesn't mean much. No one here particularly likes her. I find it's much better if she works from home. But you told her I wanted to meet with her. But I've told her many more times I prefer her not to meet clients. You like her? Very much. She's one of the best investigators I have, as you saw from her report. But? I'm concerned you won't like her. She's different. Uh, in what way? In every way. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin, it's best film ever. My name is Ian. And I'm Liam. And it is, it's hot today. Oh, too hot. But we are here. We are, <laughs> we are dedicated. We are putting ourselves through all sorts of immeasurable discomfort to, <laughs> to bring forward a pod. I mean, we love doing this. It's not hard, yeah, is it? Yeah, we do. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so a big thank you to anybody who's downloaded this today or any other day. As Liam, this is movie review number... Uh, 16? 23. <laughs> <laughs> How are you regressing? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> You, you put me on the spot and I'm like, uh, <laughs> say a random number. You know, I do this about every week, right? At least it's every other week. Anyway, but yeah. as we sit uh, here, we are joined by our perma guest. Hi, I'm Ellie. And that's it. That's the crew today. For once, the, three. the computer is not being used. We have no one joining us via Skype. Too hot. It's <laughs> too hot. They said no, George, which I'm actually quite thankful the computer is not adding to the heat today. <laughs> oh, thank God. But George is off doing her very cool summer job still. And we are picking up the slack. Yeah. We're going to each have to talk 33% more. <laughs> I will. I guess I'll, if I have to, I will dive on that grenade and do what I can. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a real struggle for you. It is. It is. <laughs> but I want to thank you guys for helping me through this. And while we're thanking people, a couple of things people want to thank. Cool. We've got some, some of our regular and new listeners who have reached out and done a little bit of uh, chatting back with the podcast here. So I thought we'd chat back to them through this one Sided sort of way. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. We like Dwayne. Dwayne's always jumping in with, with his thoughts, and they're always very, very nice. So thank you, Dwayne. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to bring up that Arsenal beat Chelsea in the <laughs> FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Dwayne's still a fan of the podcast. <laughs> uh, some nice messages. We had a nice guy named Ray who started listening to the podcast, gave us some thoughts on it, really liked the roundtable, which actually oh, I was good. quite, I was quite, I didn't know how it was going to go over. So it was no, nice exactly. to hear that people were big fans of it. first bonus episode. Yeah, our first bonus episode. Uh, Caitlin Gardner, uh, she started listening to the podcast, gave us some nice commentary about it, listened to a couple, and said she was talking to her family about it. So oh. thank you, Caitlin. Yeah, oh, thank lovely. you. That's, yeah. it's, that, is the, that is the most like, organic version of sharing and subscribing, literally going yeah. into a room and telling people, I'm listening to this podcast. It is great. And I'm not still... just telling any old people, but telling your family. That's like a decent marker there. Yes. Yeah. I'm so, still shocked people are listening. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, Alex from Main Street Finance does a good job on it. If you're, if you're American and you want to get a handle on your finances a little bit more, understand how that all works, Alex from Main Street Finance is great. And he's a big fan of the show. So hello, Alex. Lestat. 
Yeah, boy. Well, Stat gave me some stats about oh. Toy Story 2. Oh, okay. Stat. Uh, he was very quick to get him back to me, and yeah, he's 100% right. So uh, he's, he's definitely good, good peeps, and definitely, uh, we do need to get him on the podcast one day. Yeah, we do, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. up for that. Yeah. So if Lestat wants to talk to Liam, we can arrange something. I don't know when, but we'll definitely see if we can make that happen. Yeah, we should do this, bud. And then Chuck goes to the movies, who always makes time to sort of include us in his Instagram and Twitter stuff, and uh, which is weird, because we're both doing film podcasts. It'd be really easy to go, don't mention other people yeah, doing the same thing. Yeah, and be rivals. But and to no. be rivals, and I'm really glad that there are people out there who are going, no, there's room for, there's room for more exactly. than one at the table, and that's great. There's lots of films. There's lots of films, yeah. and they do a different kind of uh, format than we do, a different kind of film than we do, and they've just passed 1,000 downloads, and well done, because well I, I remember what it was like for us when we hit 1,000 yeah, downloads, yeah, yeah. and it was like, yes! <laughs> like I said, I thought there'd only be three listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, for all those real people who we did not make up, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And then... Uh, a, Gotta thank you. And then uh, a bit of a reflections and corrections. I'm gonna go ahead and put a musical track in right oh, here. Okay. There's a mistake I think I made. I don't have the words to say. And that is from if anybody see you guys aren't familiar because you're this side of the, of the pond, but right. there's a reality show called Survivor. Mm. And all the way back in season three in Africa, there was a guy named Lex, Lex Vanderberg. Okay. And uh, I became, I was a massive, he was just, you know, every year you kind of get your one contestant on this show. You're like, oh, that's the one I like. And Lex was mine for that, and I downloaded uh, a bit of that song we just heard there. And I actually went ahead and went, I really want to, you know, use this because I think I made a mistake last week. And you so, <laughs> and so as a result, I reached out to Lex and said, I really want to use this little bit of your song for, uh, for the thing, can I use it? And he actually got back to me and said, oh, great. said yeah, go ahead. Please go ahead. Give me an upside down smiley face. I'm hoping that's not some sort of crude internet gesture. <laughs> but, uh, but he gave me permission, and so I'm using it. So that was uh, Lucky Dog's uh, mistake because I did make a mistake. Somehow, mm. dangerous minds went out with little bits of clueless and uh, the crow, the crow in there. Mm. If you got, if you were one of the first ones to automatically downloaded, you might have a collector's item because <laughs> you can't find that anymore. <laughs> so uh, it is gone. <laughs> Down those audio gremlins. So this is the benefit if you subscribe to the podcast you can find the mistakes Yay. and hang on to them and go <laughs> remember content. when you did this I want to thank Ethan from our sister podcast talking to Mickey for very sympathetically just tweeting us and saying how much you like the crow thank you Ethan uh, <laughs> yeah thank you for helping us out <laughs> doing, the, doing the best I can there. But no but so sorry about the mistake uh, we, we, it, yeah, it we won't happen again but thank you everybody for your understanding and for me for downloading the second time and giving a listen to the cleaner version not that we were swearing throughout it, but just <laughs> cleaner in the sense that there weren't any mistakes thereof and uh thanks everybody who got back to us we had a lot of people get back to us about the round tables and they enjoyed the format so we're gonna bring that back we're gonna do every now and then we're gonna go ahead and dust off round table have an idea for the next one we'll just leave that sort of tight for now yeah. and we'll but it's good it's I, I, I enjoyed it yeah, I did. Yeah. I really enjoyed the chance to go ahead and throw a bit of bonus stuff out and just kind of go a little bit, a little bit more loose. We don't know where the conversation's going, mm. which was fun. But what can we do if we have just sort of a general topic and go? Yeah, it's fun to talk about the opposite of the stuff we normally talk about. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes it's like you know you don't want to do the deepest of deepest of dives. I do enjoy the deep, deep, deep dives as the basis of what we do. But sometimes it's nice to go. You know, would I have ever given? Uh, you know, Happy Gilmore an hour on the. No, of course I'm not going to do Happy Gilmore. But as far as sitting here and tearing apart, I had good fun with that. Yeah. I had good fun tearing apart Adam Sandler. And, and it's always good trying new things. 
I, I, I indeed, and mm-hmm. I always enjoy yelling at Ethan about why he's wrong. <laughs> he uh, doesn't. Inglorious in, in Bastards is a bad movie. I'm like, what are you on about, son? So you give me a hard time about the crow. Here we go. What are you on about, Inglorious <laughs> Bastards? <laughs> Crazy, and that leads us now to this week's um, episode. This week's choice for mm-hmm. for best film ever: The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. And this is the 2011 English language American produced version of the film. Cool. And this was Ellie's choice. It's been a long time since you had a choice, yes. actually. Yeah, isn't it? it's been ages. Remember, remember the last one you had was? Ooh, no. Okay, <laughs> it's been that long. No, Amelie was Georgia in episode two. I know so. I chose the theory of everything. It might have been that. It might have been that. No, it's been early on one. Has it's, it been that long? It might have been that long. Oh, wow. wow. So tell us, this is very different from theory of everything. Very different, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us what it was about this film that you wanted to go ahead and see? Um, so I I really, really like the girl with the dragon tattoo, the, the storyline. Um, it's a little bit like a kind of mystery thriller. So um, that lends itself quite nicely to the kind of stuff that I like. Um Ian, you and I watched the Swedish version of this yes. quite recently, um, but I have seen the American. Oh, version. Oh, so you have seen the American version? I was before, ask yeah, that. yeah, I've okay. seen I've seen both of them before. Um, so prior to when we watched the Swedish one recently as well, and um, I just thought it'd be really nice to watch watch the two of them reasonably close together to have a bit of a comparison, um, but also just really keen to watch the American version again. So some of the films that we've done so far, like no, I've got around to his seeing that one, but you went Girl the Dragon Tattoo. I want to see that in two languages. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doubling up on that one. I'll get I to really Fight like Club it. later. I'll get I really, to, really get to like Breakfast it. Club later and The Princess Bride. But it's their <laughs> third language you can watch all the dragon the Japanese. Maybe maybe dubbed somewhere. Maybe um, if they do a reboot, like I'm all about that. I love this. But no, I haven't seen the American version for quite a long time, so I'm I'm interested to watch it again and see which one I prefer. Okay. Um but also it's David Fincher and I've watched quite a few David Fincher films recently and enjoyed them and I just thought it'd be a, a bit of a different one to do on the podcast and Hopefully, something that we'll all enjoy. We'll now, see. Liam, you got a hold of me today. I went, "What movie are we watching?" Yeah, again? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing this didn't register that no. much with you. Yeah. No. I've so never... you coming in kind of clean slate? Yeah, clean slate. Not seeing the Swedish. Not seeing the, uh, the American one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Had you heard about this much? I, I've, it's, for some reason, I'd heard a lot more about the books. Yeah. Rather than the films, the so books the, were massive. The yeah. Swedish. Yeah. The Swedish version of of the film has actually got a trilogy, or poss- possibly four now. Oh, okay. Um, in the, in the oh, film it's more series. Of that now. It's, oh, in the, oh, in the film sort of series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so series, definitely yeah. made three films. I think I've seen mention of a fourth one. I don't know if it's been released or whatever. There's a little bit of that on the back but, end, but yeah, there's some, some um, crazy stuff with that. But yeah, on. so, but the American one, there's only the, the first first oh, one okay. in the in the series. I'm looking forward to it because, like I say, I don't know anything about it. I heard a lot about the books, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, Girl the Dragon Tattoo 2011, based on a 2005 novel by Stieg Larsson, a Swedish author. Um, and according to Vogue magazine, uh, Larson supposedly witnessed a gang rape when he was 15 Whoa. and never oh, wow. forgave himself because he didn't intervene. Oh, yeah. And he never yeah. forgave himself for not intervening. And so part of this is, um, I guess, in a psyche. sense, atoning yeah. or, or, or sort of putting into fictional characters his process. Yeah. That's really interesting. And the name of the girl, rumoredly, is Lisbeth. Who is the name of the female lead in the in the film? Well, oh, the, okay. the girl in real life that that was raped. Yes. Mean? Oh wow. So apparently that's that. That's from according to a Vogue magazine article that I found. Released by Sony, directed by David Fincher, who we previously talked about in. Do you remember whatever David Fincher film we've done so far? Um, 
Nope. Fight Club. Fight. Oh, okay, cool. It's the same guy who does Fight Club. Yeah. Um, so in 2008, Kathleen Kennedy, who I think now works, I think she does the, the Star Wars stuff for Disney. Right. But in two, she was a big wig at Sony, and she was one of the producers of The Curious Case of Benjamin Button back in 2008. I enjoyed that. I've not seen that. Mm. And she gave some details of the plot and asked David Fincher to read the book. Oh, okay. And his response to her was, Kat, nobody's going to make this movie. You're just setting this up to be miserable again. And he never read it. And then fast (laughs) forward about three years later. Yeah. And he's making the film. Oh, cool. So it's interesting how that happened. Uh, Director of cinematography, Jeff Cronenworth, who also uh, was in Fight Club. So he's kind of got his team of guys around him here. Yeah. Composers were Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails. Um, I'm looking forward to more now and that's the Fight Club yeah and they work together with uh, David Fincher on Social Network and on Gone Girl as well so Krona so definitely um, Fincher's got his his, his group who goes with him oh okay and this is part of the problem we start talking about something called auteur theory which means the director is the sort of primary visionary in a film well if every David Fincher film has Jeff Cronenweth with it so how do we know what is between David Fincher's influence yeah. and Jeff Cronenworth's yeah, yeah, exactly. influence yeah. because they're so linked and you yeah. can't separate them. So that's the tricky part when you start looking at these things. It'd be think, interesting to see them do something different by themselves. Apart from each other. Yeah, like, yeah. show me Cronenworth without yeah. Fincher. Yeah, yeah. But it seems to... I mean, if I'm, if I'm Fincher, yeah, come along, everybody yeah, back yeah, yeah. in. Let's, let's keep the band together because it's working. Hey, we'd yeah. do the same, wouldn't we? Absolutely <laughs> would. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's exactly. right. And so the movie was shot in Sweden during one of the coldest winters in over 20 years. So they just shoot mostly on location, a little bit in the US, a little bit in the UK, but primarily in Sweden. Cool. Uh, two of the movie's taglines, they are... I want to save us with the appropriate Vox, if you will. <laughs> evil shall with evil be expelled. Mm. And... What is hidden in snow comes forth in the thaw. <laughs> I love the second one, especially. What do I? What do I think of Bruce Lee when I hear him sort of things? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because they're the Swedish. They're, because they're <laughs> Swedish proverbs. <laughs> now, probably they, the way they're translated, I think they yeah, come yeah, off yeah. a little bit, whatever. But apparently, um, they were proposed by Stellan Skarsgård, who's in the cast. Oh, okay. Proposed. He went up to David Fincher and said, "There's these two proverbs," and Fincher loved it so much he actually like put them in the film. I like him. So, yeah, I do like him. He's in a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and his son. And he thought they fit the story and setting, so he made them the taglines for the film. Also, uh, the girl who played the girl in the dragon tattoo, uh, Lisbeth, in the Swedish version, was a girl, and I hope I don't get her name right, wrong. I hope I don't get her name right, jeez. Was um, Numi Rapace. Okay. And uh, there was a big movement that she should get to... Um, revisit her role in the English language version of it because she does such a good job in the Swedish version. Most most people do. Yeah. So that'd be strange that she didn't. Because the star power is Daniel Craig. Yeah. So you can have... Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. like they went for a big star as it was with with who plays it in this film. And we'll talk about her when we, we actually review it. But it was so well received. There was a campaign and including one of my personal favorites, Roger Ebert, the film critic from the Chicago Sun Times, <laughs> who we talk about a lot. Yeah. Uh, Chuck goes to the movies, does not like Roger Ebert. I oh, found, really? I was listening to an episode on uh, Groundhog Day, not Groundhog Day, Christmas Vacation, and they cool. didn't, they do not care for Roger. I love Roger Ebert. <laughs> but uh, he joined in saying that she was that good, but she declined to do the role. And I mean, you have to wonder, is it a legit d- decline or is it, you're not going to get it yeah. anyway. So you yeah. gonna, But she declined it saying that she wanted, after playing the character for three years over the course of the year, 
original trilogy in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, she didn't really want to play the same role again, doing the same stories. Okay. Didn't want to revisit it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, premiered on December 12th, 2011, here in the UK. That was the worldwide official sort of theatrical debut release. Yeah. But it could not get clearance in India or Vietnam due to censorship issues. Okay. Um, it made on a ninety million budget. It made two hundred and forty million, which you might go, "Hey, that's not bad." MGM actually called it a modest loss. Really? Yeah. Uh, you have to think of how much. Um, oh, advertising. How much advertising? Yeah, because they okay. were banking, I think, on a, um, on like at least a trilogy being made. Yeah. And they, so they made it. This was supposed to be a tentpole. And so you put Daniel Craig in it because you want it to be this massive thing. Yeah. And it ends up not being this massive thing. And so uh, it does okay. They say you used to get two, two and a half times. And two and a half times would be 235 million. So it's a a lot of work to not get there in the end. Yeah. And so um, just in closing, uh, it was nominated for five Oscars. Not bad. Including Best Actress, as yeah. we'll see, and Best Cinematography. So Jeff Cronenweff stuff's worth looking at. It wins one for Best Film Editing, and it's the same guy who won when he did uh, Social Network with Fincher. Oh, It got yeah. Best Editing then, too. So yeah. it seems to be a winning combination. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for some Bathurst and Golden Globes, but it wins a Grammy for The Score by Trent Reznor in The Nine Inch Nails, code of Atticus Ross kind of concept. Again, I haven't heard it. So Yeah. yeah. And The Score was three CDs long Whoa. and was over three hours. <laughs> okay. Oh, so they've definitely earned it. Like, you yeah. probably say yeah, less yeah, is yeah. more. Yeah. Not in this case. More <laughs> is more. It's not about who writes the most. Yes, it is. In this case, <laughs> they win. Clearly had a lot to say. And the, just one last thing in closing is when they released the DVD Blu-ray, um, they made it resemble a Sony brand because it's done by Sony Pictures. They made yeah. it resemble a Sony brand DVR okay. because it's a reference to the character who we're going to see as a bit of a computer hacker. The problem was people bought the DVD, opened it, saw it look like a Sony CDR or DVDR, and were convinced that like they bought like a bootleg copy of the film. And not, <laughs> it's like they all went to try and return it because they didn't realize it was like an aesthetic to sell yeah. the story. They just went, "Oh, we've been ripped off." <laughs> Brilliant. And so yeah, so I thought that was kind of it. So we will see in a couple of hours if we feel we have been ripped off mm. of our time, or if we feel that this was actually the correct investment. Hate to break it to you, but it's quite a lot more than a couple of hours. (laughs) Two and a half hours. But for you people at home, it's going to feel like it's a blink of an eye for us and a blink of an ear (laughs) for you. So we're going to go ahead, watch that, and we will come back for you shortly. So we will catch you on the flippity fluff. And we're back. So it's been about three hours for us at this point. We've watched the film. We've had some food. We're drinking our coffee. 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 And now we are ready to talk about some um, girls with dragon tattoos. There's only one of them. Yeah. That's what the film pretty much says. The girl with the dragon tattoo. As opposed to the dragon tattoo on the girl. You don't really get to see the dragon. I would have thought the dragon tattoo would have actually featured more heavily. Yeah. That's yeah, just a thought. Yeah. Did you see it? It's like Crouching yeah, but... Tiger and Hidden Dragon. I didn't see no tigers or any dragons in that movie. No. You no. really missed the scene when she was in the shower then. <sighs> yeah, but if you're going to name a film, yeah. go with a dragon tattoo, you can want to see more of it. You would have thought someone, someone, someone might have gone verbalized and gone, oh, I see you have a dragon tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Why, yes, I do. We love a bit of lazy exposition, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just an aspect of her quirky personality. Why there could, are so why many things. Why, why, why couldn't we call it the girl with the blonde eyebrows? Yeah. <laughs> oh, those eyebrows. It, it took me a while to realize if they were shaved off. Uh, yeah. Or same. if they were um, bleached or something. Bleached. And they were definitely bleached. The girl with the dodgy haircut. 
<laughs> well, definitely put it forward for, for, the, for the next one. So, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Let's jump into it. So, we start and we've got the Columbia logo. And then we've got these, like, discordant chimes that are going all over it. You don't have the usual Columbia, mm-hmm. Columbia TriStar, depending on previous iterations. Yeah. You didn't get that um, sort of usual theme song it has. You've got these discordant bells. And that's kind of what... Uh, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor were going for. There's no orchestra in the score. It's all like either just like dissonant electronic sounds mm-hmm. or it's like these giant, like, or it's bells. It's all kind of people who think far more abstractly than I ever will. Yes, I'd be um, like, this could just use like a, like, like a nice diminished chord here. And that would be, <laughs> that, that, that would be lovely. <laughs> but they're like, what if we did this? And I'm like, all right. Um, and then we have Ice. There is ice everywhere. It is cold. It is Sweden. Sweden? Do you really want to visit Sweden after seeing the landscape in this film? Uh, I do. Like it's, it's, I, I do. Oh, did it seem picturesque to you? Oh, yeah. yeah. In, in, a, in, a, in a... Can you say in a bleak way? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a picturesque bleakness. Maybe it's yeah. my maybe it's my Canadianness, but I just kind of <laughs> went, oh, jeez. Looks like home. It just, it just looks cold. It did look cold, but it did look nice. I quite like the bridge. <laughs> The bridge, a bridge too far, if you will. Ellie, what do you think about the Swedish uh, countryside, almost as a character, more than a landscape? It was a character in the film. It was, yeah. I mean, I think the bridge is very pretty, and I wouldn't mind living in the mansion. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really do snow, so. Do you think it was symbolic that they started the film in at Christmas time? And apparently it lasts about a year. It yeah. would seem. Yeah. And so much like the tagline said, as it begins to thaw, so too does the the mystery and the history start to unfreeze in little bits. Like when you if you live where I used to live, where it's like snow everywhere. Like you start to see pockets snow. You start to see pockets of grass just like pop yeah. up and, and and you're like, Oh, spring is on the way. You can start to see grass. You can start to see the truth from throughout this like white shield because snow looks clean and it, it looks, does. Yeah. It sort of covers everything. everything. And much That's like great. the snow was starting to not cover everything, so too are the lies starting Ooh. to not cover everything. I know. Clever. I I, I do try. <laughs> and we open up and there's a shot of Henrik, who I don't think we're shown who his, his face is are we shown his face at this point i thought we were but maybe not... anyway we, we get to henrik and we see he's got a pressed flower yeah. i know this far more from the, the swedish version drives this home a lot more and maybe throughout what we'll do is maybe we'll sprinkle some comparisons to the mm. swedish version because i thought about doing it at the end and i thought it's gonna be too hard to then say remember when we said this well actually it did this so there'll be a couple of touches we're trying not to go too much because we do yeah. want to focus on this version i'll leave that with you too yes you have not seen the swedish version <laughs> yes uh <laughs> So then we go into the introduction, and I think it's worth touching on some time on this because David Fincher loves him an elaborate introductory sequence. Yeah, uh, the one for Fight Club we talked about when we did that. We ta- uh, we haven't talked about it, but I used to teach the introduction to Seven. Oh, okay, which yeah. was great. It was like this montage of the Seven Deadly Sins, yeah. all done with like razor blades and cutting film cells, and all yeah. it was just great. And then we had this one, and the premise behind this one was he went to his special effects graphics guru guy, which was name I wish I had, the guy who won the award for for best editing, whatever, probably based a large part on that sequence. And he said, "I want you to think about the inside of Lizveth's nightmares." And I want you to show that on the screen. And so if you go back and look at that with that in mind, it's very interesting. And over that, of course, we have Immigrant Song being Mm -hmm. played. Originally done by Led Zeppelin, but this time done by uh, Trent Reznor 
and the vocals were done by Karen O from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> That should be the official band of this podcast. It should be the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. <laughs> and uh, just as a quick thing, uh, I really liked it. This introductory sequence. I did. It, there was something about. Um, I'm sure I saw like human figures being broken like glass and stuff. It was kind of shapes and forms of stuff and then broken and shattered in some way it's kind of mesmerizing yeah it's like it's like a like a a bond sequence but without uh without all the the hoopla around it Mm. glad you mentioned that because this is the question i was going to ask if you're going to cast daniel craig in a film yeah maybe you don't rip off a bond sequence because if you want to make it different it's like so it's kind of like, yeah. you know, Bond just chilling out and not killing as many people, yeah. isn't it? What year was Casino Royale? Oh, this is this is this is after. Like uh, he yeah. films this. Uh, I'll, bring, I'll bring up when we talk about Daniel Craig, but he films this. Like he's he's already done two Bonds at this point. Okay, is this like 2011? This is 2011. Yeah. Whereas Royale was, I want to say 2008. I was going to say six. Six? Okay. I I don't Uh, know. The the graphics were done by Kirk Baxter and Angus Wall, who won their Academy Award. Thank you, Ellie, for looking that up. So that gets – so they're the ones who are responsible for that. Uh, Apparently, they had six weeks to make that happen. Okay. Which is not easy. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, And so enter Daniel Craig playing Michael Blankfist. And definitely we're talking about this required some negotiations between other studios in order to make this happen. Um, because he was shooting Cowboys and Aliens, and he was shooting Skyfall. And, and he so, did shoot Casino Royale in 2006. Okay, so uh, DreamWorks, and he was shooting Skyfall for Sony. So in between those, he had to try and make this happen, and it was, what, what do you do, what, what, do you, what do you don't do? How can you make it happen? And they really held back on Greenland because they weren't sure they were going to get Daniel Craig. Okay. But obviously they wanted to start. And I think you can see from this, they were trying to make a franchise out of it, having watched this yeah. much more. It's weird because the Swedish version that I saw, it's like that one was always going to be a trilogy, but it didn't feel like they were trying to set up a trilogy in it. Oh, okay. Whereas this one, it's like, oh my God, you are clearly trying to set up a trilogy with this <laughs> at the very least. Um, and so David Fincher uh, met with Daniel Craig about taking on the lead while he was on Steven Spielberg's The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn in 2011. And he met um, he met Craig while he was wearing an all-in-one motion capture body stocking with like those balls and stuff oh, all yeah, over yeah. it. So Daniel Craig's going, there's no way I'm getting this. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. This is not scream like detective journalist here. <laughs> I'm wearing a body sock <laughs> with like pom-poms all over it. Um, and then it's Standard these days, isn't it? I found in my research that Daniel Craig put on weight to play this role. Okay. I thought he looked pretty fit to me. Wow. Yeah. And you can use fit in the North American like he's in good shape or yeah. fit in the he looked old in places, he but looked he looked good. Oh, he looked good. Okay, there we yeah. go. So officially, looks good. Um, and so, the, and he did this because he wanted to seem as different from James Bond as he could. And I'm like, well, maybe you should have told Fincher not to do that elaborate introductory sequence then. Because but that first introduction with him we see looks like Bond to yeah, me. Yeah, it does a little bit. You know, I thought that as well. And so we find out there's been a scandal. His journalistic integrity has been hit and he's had to pay out a lot of money because he went with something that fell apart. All we know is that somehow he printed something he couldn't back up. Yeah. And he's been punished. Um, And so he goes to a diner. And this is really, really interesting because as we're at that diner at the start where he gets the cigarettes and like throws half of them away. As they're shooting at this diner, they just happen to find out that Ellen Nykvist is working 
on uh, at the diner. Ellen Nyquist is the daughter of uh, Michael Nyquist, who is the first, who's the actor who played Michael Blomqvist in the Swedish version. Wow. So once they, total happenstance, they were not intending this. So once they found that out, Daniel Craig lobbied to get her a couple of lines. So I'm guessing those are the lines about selling him the smokes. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so that must be his daughter. Yeah. So yeah, because I was looking for other diners where other people had lines the rest of the film and there weren't any. Um, so I'm like, it has to have been that, which I thought nice was just a time. really, really cool story. And it's nice when you can link the original Swedish version yeah. to the English language version. A little happy accent. Little... Um, and so um, it's just a quick question because Daniel Craig, I think he's a heck of an actor. Yeah, I agree. Is he the best? I know a little bit on the side. Is he the best actor to play Bond? Not is he the best Bond. Is he the best actor who's played Bond? Yes. Because I would say yes. I say yes. I'm not sure he's the best Bond, but he's the best actor to play I'd Bond. I'd say he's the best Bond as well. Okay. I, I, I really enjoy watching Maybe him. Maybe one day we'll do a roundtable on we Bond, should, James Bond. <laughs> Get Richard back on the show. Ellie, any thoughts? Um, I love Pierce Brosnan, but I haven't seen I haven't seen all of the Bond actors, and I haven't. Uh, Daniel Craig is, is the only one I've seen kind of recently. I haven't haven't watched any of the others at all recently at all. So I like I Pierce Brosnan, I but do. there's no way you're going to see um, Daniel Craig doing like Mamma Mia. No, you know what I'm saying? I get nominated for a Razzie for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, Daniel Craig's not doing that. No. Um, and so... He'll prove then, it wrong now. <laughs> yes, he will. And then we find out that he's kind of got a thing going on with Robin Wright, who we had earlier in the podcast as Princess Buttercup. Perhaps you won't find her so common anymore. <laughs> um, and her this role was in the Swedish version, but man, did Robin Wright get a bigger version of this. Yeah, hugely bigger. Like... She just, I mean, mostly in the first part of the film, she does kind of disappear for the majority of it. But in the first couple of scenes, she's well, she really comes, she comes back in a there. few times though. Yeah. Whereas in the Swedish version, yeah. like she's gone by after Christmas. Like once he makes it over to the island, we don't see her again. I don't think. Mm, I can't remember. I don't think so. Whereas in this but one, she, she kept coming back. In the Swedish, what was one, the character's yeah. name? Erica. Erica. So we meet Erica, and it's funny because I'm wondering this up now because Robin Wright is American. Daniel Craig is British, of course. Yeah. Uh, Rooney Mara is American. American. Um, Robin Wright has this terrible Swedish accent she's trying to put on. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, Daniel Craig plays Michael Blomqvist. He's not playing like English guy. He's playing a <laughs> Swedish born guy. Yeah. No accent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're still in my grumble. Are you? <laughs> so many Swedish critics question the choice to have many of the cast members speak in a Swedish accent. Most criticism was pointed to Rooney Mara's accent, which many other critics heard as Russian or Dutch and not Swedish. But Daniel Craig admitted in an interview he thought all of this was stupid and therefore chose to use his real voice. <laughs> <laughs> which, if you've seen Noises, not Noises, Knives Out. I haven't seen that. If you've seen Knives Out, he puts on this like Bayou accent the whole time through. So he's not afraid to try an accent. It's amazing. I'm guessing he just went, I can't do a Swedish accent, so I'm not doing a Swedish well, accent. It's a shame the others didn't realize that. Rob, I mean, I thought that Robin Wright's was abysmal. I thought you could have had everybody do it with an English accent and do that whole like sound of music thing where, you know, we're all German, but we're going to, sorry, we're all Austrian, but we're going to go ahead and use yeah. that. Or what was the one in, um, oh, Tom Cruise was in it. Was it Valkyrie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, Valkyrie. like, everybody who's German is English, except for Tom Cruise is going to be American because yeah. he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, sort of make it all uniform. English seems to be the accent people choose when you're, like, go somewhere else, but all speak English. Yeah. yeah. You just sort of do, and I'm like, look, we've got Swedish everything. It's fine. It's set in Sweden, but 
it's weird because they I don't think they knew what they wanted to do with the casting. It's really weird. And it, they they ended up doing similar to the Grand Budapest Hotel, but it, I mean that kind See, of works because it's well, such Grand an abstract Budapest, film. It's a, but it's this a comedy is, though, isn't it? Yeah, and this is a very serious film and you just it just doesn't make sense. It's really distracting. I've seen something recently. I can't think what it is. Um where they start off talking in the either German accent or whatever accent it is and then for a few lines and then they start speaking English. So you kind of get the gist of right. That's they're now talking in German, but we're understanding it in English. Yeah. So yeah. So we at least like put up the facade that it's a foreign yeah. language and be like, okay, now it's like your ears tuned to it. We'll just speak in English. You're so right? submersed yeah. in yeah, yeah. the film. But I can't remember what that is. So if there's any listeners out there, <laughs> feel free to let us know. Yeah, because hit us up on that's best film ever pod on Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> or our Facebook page. Um, and so. We find out now that uh, Michael Blomfist has no credibility and he's going to quit. He's going to quit his job as head of Millennium Publishing. Was that what it was called? Yep. And that's something interesting because Millennium was the name of the trilogy originally done in Sweden. It was the Millennium Trilogy. Yeah. I'm not sure if, I, oh, okay. if, the, if the magazine was called Millennium the first time around. Yeah. Oh, was so. it? Okay. Uh, and then enter Lisbeth. And she's been hung. Uh, Goran Viznich, who used to be on ER, uh, sends her off on a little mission. And she's been digging up dirt on our good friend Michael Blomfist. But they do ask her. They go, what's your opinion of the man? And he goes, well, <laughs> he's clean. I mean, he, he cheated on his wife. But as far as, like, as, as a man, he's clean. And um, I think that's so the audience can go, okay, I've had it confirmed by a third party. I can like Michael Blomfist. Mm. Yeah. Because even though he's been accused of being guilty, we sort of, we sort of announced that going, no, no, he's okay. Yeah. Um, but before she came in, um, Goran Viznich is speaking to uh, the lawyer for the Vanger family, as we would later find out. And they say, well, she's different. And he goes, well, in what way? He goes, in every way. <laughs> yeah. So that was a good introduction. Um, and uh, there's, he's clean. There's anything unsavory. Um, he wrecked his marriage, but saved her marriage, which kind of goes he doesn't want to cause an unnecessary pain. Yeah. You know? So, uh, so maybe some things about Rooney Mara and how she got cast. Originally, the role almost, 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 almost went to a different actress because apparently this was a hot ticket because they thought, they were telling people this was going to be like the role of the 21st century. It was going to be like Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was going to be, um, oh, Holly Golightly. Yeah. Right? And then it's going to be like this. Oh, this okay. is going to be that role that you are always remembered by, and can you deal with it? I could see somebody like Natalie Portman. Yeah. There was a rumor that she was supposed to be chosen, but really? either scheduling or something. I couldn't find enough enough things to verify it, to bring it to the table myself, oh, okay. but I did find some scuttlebutt about that. Oh, cool. But I got a, a Vogue article that says that the role of Lisbeth almost originally went to Scarlett Johansson. Okay. And here was the issue. This is right from the mouth of David Fincher. His words, not mine. Um, he thought she was too sexy for the role. And direct quote, look, we saw some amazing people. Scarlett Johansson was great. It's a great audition. I'm telling you. But the thing with Scarlett is you can't wait for her to take her clothes off. <laughs> and so I think what he's trying, I, I'm going to infer from this, what he's trying to say is that those are moments where we need to feel it's a violation when yeah. that happens. Yeah. Instead of... Uh, some parts of the audience going, go on then. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to be siding with the rapist. Yes. That's that's definitely, I think, what Fincher's trying to... Well, it's not exactly how he says it, but I think that's yeah, yeah, what he's going on. Yeah. 
And so uh, he actually had cast Rooney Mara, Fincher, in The Social Network. She was David Zuckerberg's, Mark Zuckerberg's girlfriend at the very, very start of the movie. He's breaking up with her at the start, or she's breaking up with him at the start. And so he wanted to bring her on, and really the, the, the studio execs weren't getting it. And so in order to convince the studio that she had what it took, he asked her to go out and get really, really, really drunk. And then had her come back in the morning after she'd vomited all night. Oh. And then took pictures of her in a hungover state. And that convinced the studio to cast her. Because <laughs> <laughs> they thought maybe she was too pretty or something like that. So they're like, let's just rough her up a bit. And we'll show you what she looks like if she's all damaged. Well, she is very delicate, isn't she? Yeah. If you, if you take away all of she's the, very small. You yeah. know, the, the black makeup and the earrings yep. and piercings and things. She's got very like kind of bird-like delicate features. And just on the note of the piercings, as a final note on Rooney Mara. Uh, the piercings include multiple ear, eyebrow, and nipple piercings that she got are real. They really? are non-cosmetic. Wow. Um, she got the piercings, including the nipple piercing. She said it was actually not that painful. I thought she has it in the book, and so she should have it in the movie. Because of all the tattoos and the makeup and the piercings and the physical transformations my body has to go through, it would sort of f- always sort of feel like I was in costume, even if I was naked. It just felt like a good one to get, a necessary one to get. The eye, nose, ear, brow, and lip piercings were removed after shooting completed, but she kept the right nipple pierced for possible sequels. She said, it's not something I ever want to get re-pierced, so I'm going to keep it. <laughs> that is dedication. That's so, amazing. Well, I think that's a lot less dedication than getting the dragon tattoo. Yeah, You don't want yeah, to be known true. as the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I really liked Rooney Mara's introduction in this, because when you first see her, you see her from behind, and you just see the the mohawk and the earring and these kind of shadows and things before you actually see her face so it's kind of like you're introduced to that aspect of her personality before her and also other elements like she sits on the other end of this giant board table and they want her to sit close but she purposely keeps a long long distance away yeah i thought that was interesting that was uh and so um we, there's a Christmas party where we get introduced to Erica's with her husband, it looks like, at the party. It looks like that. Yeah. Thing. And we meet his daughter. Yeah. And um, Lizbeth, we cut to her taking pictures of the guy who sued Mike at the start. And there's a mysterious phone call back at Mike. It's a, a new publisher. It's Christopher Plummer's, well, it's Christopher Plummer's lawyer. And he wants to arrange a meeting. Stephen Burkoff. Stephen Burkoff. Uh, great, great actor. And so, um, against his better judgment, Michael Blomfist agrees to go up to Northern's, well, north of the city, anyway, and meet um, Mr. Vanger, Henrik Vanger, uh, and we get Christopher Plummer's entrance. Christopher Plummer was not the original actor cast in this role either. Okay. Uh, originally, Max von Sydow was supposed to have this part. Uh, if you've seen uh, Game of Thrones, he would be the original Three Eyed Raven. And if you've seen Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, the first of the new ones, he's the old guy who dies in the first act by, um, oh, what's his name? Kylo Ren. He's got the map and he gives it to Poe Dameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so see that guy there. And so so Plummer gets it. It's interesting because Plummer and Craig would both appear opposite each other again in another kind of murder mystery film in Knives Out. Oh, okay. So we kind of have them sort of... Doubling oh, up in that. Oh, yeah. Even though I don't think those those two didn't have any any uh, interaction in that regard in that one, but it was still interesting to see them both in, in another film of the same thing. Um, and so, um, Henrik Vanger wants to hire Michael Blomvis to do a memoir. 
he doesn't really want to do it, but gets told, I'll pay you double your usual salary. I will pay you four times if you're successful. And I will give you some dirt on the guy who screwed you over and sued you and took your life savings. It's interesting because they made a big effort to say there's no jail time yeah. for him. In the Swedish version, he's going to jail. Oh, okay. In the Swedish version, though, he's got like six months. It's really weird. You've got six months and then you have to go to jail. Yeah. So he knows what day he has to go to jail. It's kind of like if you got like a death sentence, you know what day you're going to die. It's yeah. the opposite. On this day, you have to report mm-hmm. to jail. But for the next six months, you're kind of good. So you weird. actually see him in jail a little bit. In the uh, at the end, one, yeah. yeah. So he, it's not, for him, it's sort of a way to clear his head in between. But yeah. the, the, the North American version, this is what we do here. And so uh, he tells the story of Harriet. And Harriet is um, the, is it the niece? It's the niece of Henrik Vanger. I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It is the niece of Henrik Vanger. he Vanger. says cousin later, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. The niece of Henrik Vanger. And uh, in, uh, we find out, in, 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 everything's really been blue and gray and cold. And then in these memories of Harriet, mm. they're all yellow. Yeah. And idealized. And we have this idea that she goes missing. She goes missing on this day. It happened to be a day when there was a giant accident on the bridge. The bridge couldn't be used, and the bridge is the only way off the island. And we find out you couldn't swim because someone would have seen her, and she couldn't have drowned because she would have washed up on the beach because that's what happened to her father. Her father had died a couple of years right. previous, um, and he washed up on the beach within days. Ten, ten yards? They said you wouldn't, you wouldn't have more than ten yeah, yards yeah, away yeah, from, yeah. from where he started. So, yeah. yeah. So we kind of get a lot of exposition there uh, in 1965. And we find out the relevance of the flowers here as well. Yes. he's received a, received she, a pressed flower every year on his birthday. She used to give him a flower every year for his birthday. And now Harriet's killer mocks him every year. And no one knows what the flower is except for Harriet, the police. him, the police, and now Michael Blomqvist. Yeah. Uh, we found out there was a parade, uh, an accident. Uh, said that was tied up, the salaries. And so he agrees that he's going to um, stay on. And he's going to sort of have a go at this. Meanwhile, Lizbeth um, goes home and finds her guardian on Christmas Day. Because uh, she's a ward of the state, we, we, we find out. Yeah. And she finds her legal guardian, uh, a man who she seems to be quite close to. And he's had a stroke. And he's laying on the floor and he's not responsive. Uh, and he, for all intents and purposes, he's kind of dead. And you see concern on her face as well for the first time. Yeah. Like previously, she's been really icy, but she genuinely cares about this man as well, you can tell. Um, we have a conversation between uh, Henrik Wenger and Michael Blomqvist where it's cold outside because they're shivering a lot. They made sure they're shivering a lot, but Plummer's got like 19 layers and like Craig's doing like, I'm, I'm James Bond. I'm not wearing like a big furry hat and shivering. <laughs> I, I got to keep, I look cold for you. That's about it. And we find out that his family's full of Nazis. Yeah. And we get told, here's who all the people in the family are. And they're pointing to houses. And Daniel Craig says, uh, uh, Michael Blomfist says, I-, I can't really keep up with this. And I'm going, I hear you there. Because yeah. it's me going, I mean, I, I was in the Swedish version, but I'm still going, who's what? I don't understand. <laughs> so I get, I don't know if the scene's supposed to be like expository, so I'm supposed to understand it, or if I'm supposed to be overwhelmed like he's overwhelmed. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be overwhelmed. Because he says straight after that you will see him. You'll get to know us all very Yeah, that's well. true. I, th- I think the Swedish version goes into more detail about who everybody is than this one does. I think, yeah, because they didn't... We can talk, we'll talk about the, the act structure later on, but they, this, they had extra time, but this one didn't because mm-hmm. of other choices they made. Is the yeah. Swedish one longer or no, just as long? They're about the same length, but oh, okay. they spend time in different ways. Oh, and it's okay. important to mention that they were written independent of each other. They were not trying to make reference to the other's screenplays, yeah. just to the original book. Okay. 
I feel like I should have watched the Swedish version as well. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and so we then see Daniel Craig starts to get to work. And it's a really great expository tool because as he highlights a line of the police report, we then have flashbacks Yeah, as he's sort of imagining it. But I'm here to tell you, if you're going to highlight every line oh, in a document, God. then you may as well highlight no lines because if everything's special, then nothing's yeah, special. Yeah, exactly. Right. And this you is just a bad stole my re- other grumble. <laughs> this is a bad revision technique. <laughs> this is your teacher knows. Mm-hmm. Do not highlight every line. Every line cannot be important. Realize mm-hmm. what is important and study that. Um. And then we have a, a page in a journal diary book that belonged to Harriet with names and numbers on the last page. And we don't really know what they are. Cut to Lizbeth. She is going to see her new guardian. Who mm. new guardian whose name was? We Before she meets her new guardian, we get introduced to the old inspector, Inspector Morrill. And we find out about the Rebecca case as well. Oh, there is this idea about Rebecca Case, and Rebecca Case is the case that every cop has one, and it's the idea of one that you just can't let go of. Yeah. And Rebecca, it's a good thing he named it after this old unseen case, because it came in very handy later on. <laughs> uh, and so, oh, I wish I had his name, and I don't still. Uh, Niels Bjerman. That's it. Niels Bjerman is the new ward, or he's the new guardian for the ward of the state, which is Lisbeth. Um, and he tells her now that she's going to be on an allowance, whereas previously she, I guess the old guardian had been quite, um, empowering. Mm-hmm. He had given her control over her money and mostly her life. Yeah. Uh, we find out later that she'd been a handful and she'd, she'd cause problems. And maybe, maybe on a legal point, it wasn't the most prudent thing to do, but I guess he felt it was the right thing to do for, for Lisbeth. Uh, this new guy's not having anything of it. Is it Niels? Mm-hmm. Okay. And he says, you will have an allowance. Or basically says, you will go to jail. Yeah. And she agrees, and she goes to leave. And then as soon as she gets into the elevator, she's been really stoic. And, like, the door shuts. You just hear this scream for a fraction of a second before we cut to a new scene. <laughs> and it's just, like, the hint of a scream. And then we're back with uh, Michael Blomfist, and we meet uh, Martin. Martin Vanger, played by Stellan Skarsgård. He is Henrik Vanger's nephew, and he runs the company. Yeah, and this is I'm going to drop some knowledge, Liam. Go for it. This is my formula for watching films, but it might ruin films for some people going forward. Okay. <laughs> so for those of you who don't want to hear, fast forward like a minute because I'm going to spoil like a bunch of films for you right okay, now. Not intentionally, in, but I, I think it's in my ears. Okay. <laughs> if you ever spot an actor who's in too big a part for the one he's got, he's the bad guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because look at Stellan Skarsgård. You're like, you are way too big a star to just be some bit role in this. Yeah. Well, mm. but then you think like Drew Barrymore in uh, Scream. Yeah, but she dies. Yeah. Like, I'm not worried she's going to come back as the bad guy. <laughs> that, and that's why that's brilliant, though, because that's the exception. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you look at it and you go, Ugh. So, yeah, I, I want to give you some other examples, but I would then spoil those films yeah, yeah. and people have signed no. up for this one. But maybe off air, I'll definitely tell you a couple more yeah. and go. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's just you look at it and you go, you are too big an actor for the role you have. You are the villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Anyway, so um, spoilers, folks. Hopefully you've watched the film. Otherwise, what are you doing listening to the podcast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a deep dive. <laughs> um, so he, he, he's the villain. So let's see how he's presented here, shall we? And um, he, he, he meets... Um, he meets Michael Blomfist. He invites him over for dinner. There's a lovely scene where he and his wife are having 
him over and there's like this noise like wind or something like that mm. and he goes oh something's been left open let me go get that and he closes it now in hindsight when you get to the end you realize it's the woman he's got down there yeah. now, in the Swedish version they don't give you that you don't have this moment where someone screams but he does make he reference do, he to does it say at the end. I had a girl that and I think that's more powerful the fact that you didn't hear because it shows how good the facade is yeah. like mm-hmm. this feels unusually clumsy for this guy because yeah. he talks about the meticulousness and the planning in that final scene but then he what forgot to leave like four layers of doors closed mm-hmm. yeah. but then it does sound like the wind you know, it, it's because we're not as the audience we're not supposed to click in on it the first time I didn't mm. yeah because you, you're not supposed to because I'd seen it I went I know what that is yeah yeah um, and so um, then we cut to Lisbeth and her bag gets stolen or tries to get stolen by some thug on the underground she, you know, goes toe-to-toe and, like, beats the guy up and does some cool James Bond moves of herself Great. down the... It was really cool. It was it, cool. It, to be fair, though, it reminds me a lot of Skyfall. I wonder if Bond saw that and said, we're, we're, we're nicking that for... Because you know, Skyfall, there was that giant was, scene in the underground. The only thing was, she did that then, and then later on through the rest of the movie, she didn't really... Not enough escalators. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. See, it like she could do that move. I feel like that's made more of a big deal of in the Swedish version as well, though. Because it's the reason for her laptop getting what her damaged. being her being a badass when she gets mugged. She gets mugged and she fights back and she. But they, they they like hit her with it or like yeah, it, it hits, rip, the, it hits and they the ground. Rip her laptop, which yeah. is in the bag, which is like, why she then needs to get money this, for the new laptop. I didn't quite see where it got smashed. Where it got I, smashed when no, she sort of like tossed either. it onto the onto the the median between yeah. the escalators. I think we just have to assume because I don't think I it guess. was really shown. No, because I, I was looking for it. So I was like, oh, I guess we're not breaking the laptop in this version. No, no, they are. Oh. So her laptop is broken. Uh, and so she has to go and um, see her shrink. But before she can do that, shrink, her, her guardian. But before that, uh, Martin, not Martin, Michael meets Cecilia. Uh, she's uncomfortable with him being there. And then we find out that there's another family member named Anita who has been long gone missing. She lives in London. Not missing, but she's just not around. She's in London. Yeah. And if you show up, she'll tell you to get lost. <laughs> they use different words. I'll say get lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, Back to Lisbeth, who is now with Niels, and uh, it's this is a, I mean, it's a, I want to say wonderful. Wonderful is not the word. It's a really well done scene. That's kind of what I'm going for here. Yeah. Um, in the sense that because they open with a shot, and you're like from behind his shoulder, and ever so briefly you get a shot of him and his family on his desk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and it looks. Perfect. Now, one of the working titles of the book or the translation or however it works was originally titled Men Who Hate Women. Oh. Which, yeah, I think this book could definitely, or this film could definitely sort of tie in with that sort of premise. Yeah, It's Um, a rubbish title, though. Maybe it's got a certain greater elegance in Swedish. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Just doesn't translate well over here. It's like James Bond. Man who shoots other men. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so... She says that she needs some money for a laptop. He says, why do you need such an expensive laptop? He says, for my job. And she said her job is getting coffees. And I'm like, well, he's kind of got you there. That's what you said your job was. Because you can't say, you know, I I hack into, you know, I break the law. (laughs) (laughs) So they go ahead and they, uh, she asks for for the money for a fancy laptop. And he basically says, I'll give you what you want if you give me what you want. And he comes around the table. And when he comes around the table, the camera doesn't move from focusing on his torso and crotch. No. It doesn't shoot to his head. And so right then, like, it's uncomfortable. It's like literally his crotch is coming, in a sense, towards us. Yeah. And it Ooh. foreshadows what's about to happen. 
And he basically says, you need, basically, he says, you need to do something to get something. And he takes her hand, he places it on his groin, he tells her to unzip, and then he forces her to perform oral sex. And then the camera angle goes up above his head. Yes. Yes, it does. To look down. To look down. And and it's really creepy when they make you identify with the um, assaulter. Yeah. Uh, that's uncomfortable and we don't like that, which is why such scenes like that are, are, are powerful and they re- re- recoil us because they're like, don't. And in other parts of the movie, they chose other ways of showing um, distress and other methods. I mean, that was also echoed actually, which is interesting. But for this one, they for some reason wanted to put you in the shoes of the, uh, of the assaulter, of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's not victim. Victim is obviously what she is, of the yeah. attacker, I guess, for yeah, lack of a better yeah. word. Yeah. Um, and so we then get a, a, a jump cut to her brushing her teeth and not like puking in the sink. Yeah. Justifiably so. And then he gives her a check on her way out. And this is different though, because in the Swedish version, he, he lowballs her on the check. Oh, does he? Yeah. So like they, 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 they agree to a number and then he gives her a check and the checks for like half of what they agreed for. Oh, okay. And he says, that'll get you a good enough laptop. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, an interesting just difference in choice between the two screenwriters yeah. on how to represent this. Yeah. I don't know what the original book would have uh, entailed. And then we've got Michael Blumfist goes to London and is instantly mistaken for Bond, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> so he wore glasses. I'm wearing glasses in London, so I'm not Bond. And he meets uh, Anita. Um, and she talks about Harriet and says Harriet was interesting. She'd go from being withdrawn to dressing very, very provocatively to then go in and studying her Bible. She was a little... And this all kind of screams like something... There's been some sexual damage here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 To, go, to go from these extremes. I mean, they're kind of tips that you kind of go, oh, that's... that's uh, like, like multiple personality type. Well, you're sort thing. of taught like if, 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 if you, you see these elements in people, it can be a sense of sexual trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not to do one or to do the other, but the bounce between them or sudden yeah. changes in this. Yeah. Uh, and she said that if she had gotten to 18, I'm sure she would have left as well. Yeah. Which is an interesting statement later, finding out what we later find out. Uh, Lizbeth, uh, now goes and she phones up Nils this time. and says, I need to advance on my allowance, fully aware of what this means. Mm-hmm. And he says, come around the house. And, uh, she does and the house is lovely and not cold. It's interesting because they kept showing him in like these warm wooden tones. Mm-hmm. When the rest of the world is shown as being so cold, and I think that shows that like perfection of his facade. Yeah. In comparison to everything else. But also that he's got a lot of you know, he's he's comfortable and yeah. he, he's just comes across as a normal person. Yeah, that would be the facade. The facade yeah. is that he's a normal person. It's and funny, a successful pick, normal person. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of wooden tones and browns yeah. and earth tones. And then he she comes around the house and he and there's a lingering shot of her putting her bag on a chair. Which in the I didn't bedroom. realize until later on. See, when I saw the Swedish version, they, they do the same thing in that one. Oh, okay. And I went, there's something with the bag. Yeah, I, I, I picked I, up on it. I thought that. Yeah. But then I, I just totally dismissed it like that was uh, until later, obviously. Yeah, because you kind of go, oh, that's not been anything. I'm going to come back yeah. to it already. Yeah. yeah. And so then she sort of passes out. Yeah. Yeah. And so when she wakes up, she's been um, chained, strapped tied, to strapped to the bed. Where she's laying face down and sort of facing away from, from the, she can't really see him. Yeah, she's like handcuffed. Yeah. Didn't she? And so he then proceeds to 
um, rape her, and there is That's very distressing. To see that. It is very distressing. She makes very graphic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and she makes a lot. Uh, he, he, she, she's thrashing around trying to get away because she's denied up by the feet and tied up by the hands, and she's making these guttural utterances like they're not words; they're mm. just. She's been gagged as well. Urges. Oh, has she? I missed yeah. that part. And so at, I thought it was quite interesting how um, she's thrashing around and trying to escape and trying to get out of it and making noise. Until he gets inside her, and then she plays like dead. As soon as the rape goes, she stops making noise, and actually, then at that point, all you can hear is the sounds of the bodies making together, yeah, yeah. and that's more powerful, I think, the lack of noise and having that than if you had the screaming continue. Oh. But before that, there's a spot where, as he first um, sort of, um, well, I'm sorry again, when when he first begins to actually penetrate her. There's a shot of the door, and it's a low-angle shot from outside the door, and it reverse zooms out. Almost like as the audience, we are retreating from what's going on. But then we go back in the room, and we go back in the room, we get a shot of her face, or we get a shot of his face, but we don't get a shot of them together. Yeah, As in, this this isn't a union of two people coming together, versus a victim and an attacker. Yeah. And we get a shot of the bag just before the scene. Comes and the bag, just the to remind one. you, the bag is there. Yeah. Um, and so an interesting standpoint here is the actor who played um, Niels, Jorik van Wageningen. <laughs> um, they talked about the problem is that they thought the most interesting route would be you need to have him seem half affable. So it's not about finding the freak violence in the guy. It was to try and find the humanity of him in other situations because you can't just be on the evil guy of evil. Even yeah. though he is very, there's these moments, there's these things. It's it's guilt. It's something. It's the family. It, there's other elements where you go. He's got to have a touch of humanity in him. Yeah. Uh, also interesting. The day of the rape scene. Um, oh, what's the what's the actress's name who plays Elizabeth again? Rooney Mara. Rooney yeah. Mara said to him, "I don't want you to talk to me. I don't want you to ask if I'm okay." For today, I just need to see you as this guy. Okay. I need that. I need you. I don't need you. She's basically, I don't need you to humanize yourself because I have to play this role of someone who doesn't get a break and get someone asking if she's okay. Yeah. So I need to be that person. You need to be this person. And it was said the actor was so, uh, who, who, uh, Jorik von Wagenin, who played Niels, was so um, traumatized by doing that scene. That he, spent, he spent the next day crying in this hotel room. Oh. Wow. Because he just couldn't, you know, it's just you, you lose yourself in the scene and... Yeah. I totally get it. I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. I think you've also got to be very brave to take on a role like that because it is going to, you know, it's going to be a role that people remember you for. Whether, and... whether directly or indirectly. You might just see him on the street and go, I don't... I, not realizing why you know him, but going, yeah, I don't like that yeah, guy. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of... A lot of villains you hear often that they're getting sort of hate hate mail and things, yeah, or definitely. you know, yeah. threatening tweets and things from people, and just and that's just for a standard villain in a film. So if you think about someone who's done that kind of yeah. very humanly villainous thing, it's scary. Uh, and so uh, then, when it's over, she gets up and he goes, "I'll drive you home," and she goes, "No, no, no, that's fine." And as she gets to her home, we see several jump cuts, and she gets to her home, and then she drops the keys, and the pain as she goes to reach and get her keys mm. because of how um, even abused her body is. Yeah. 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 Even trying to walk. And so we cut to her in the shower, and when she went to go to film that scene that day, her body was so bruised from legitimately doing all that thrashing while she was um, tied up that the makeup artist felt that she'd already had her makeup done. 
Wow. Because they were going to put some bruises on her, but her body was so naturally bruised anyway from doing that scene the day before. Oh, my God. Uh, Erica then is back. Uh, she's hanging out with Martin Wenger and uh, Henrik Wenger and talking about how they're going to buy the magazine. This was not in the Swedish version. I think it was just an excuse to get a little bit more of Robin Wright yep. on the screen. <laughs> Uh, and her accent's all just about gone at this point. Like, she's <laughs> she's speaking as Claire Underwood at this point. <laughs> and then she goes behind. We cut. She's staying the night in the little cottage with Peter and, it, sorry, Michael Blomqvist. Oh yeah. And she just has a little bit of a silhouette, taking her clothes off in silhouette behind a screen. Yeah. Cause she, and I don't know how to feel about Michael on this one. Well, Because in the Swedish version, they kind of break up. Him and Erica. And so when he kind of has the thing going on with Lisbeth, it's like they're, he's like single in a sense. In this one, it's kind of like he's like, like two girls on the side. But Erica is married. So. Yeah. Oh, that's a true point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I found this scene weird in the fact that they showed you her silhouetted taking her clothes off, but he had his back to her. So like, That was for us. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what though. When he when she goes, I'm leaving in the morning, so I reckon you come to bed. Yeah, he, he gets up pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's my motivation? He asked the director. Uh, and then we go to, and you picked up on this. So Lizbeth is buying some tattoo gear, but she's having a little snack before she does that. What's she eating, Liam? Yeah, she's having a McDonald's Happy Meal. And that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like it was. Uh, a memory of of a happy memory of a, a time gone by, and that's like a constant reminder. I also wonder if it's because she was supposed to be a ward of the state. In a sense, Niels should be looking at her like she's a, his child. Oh, okay. Yeah. And therefore, this represents her where she's at. She's in the state of arrested development. She is yeah, still, yeah, in yeah. a sense, 10, 12, whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah. And so in some ways, she's very, very tough, but in some ways, she's still a scared little girl. Yeah, that makes sense. And so uh, we go back to Neil's. Well, she goes back to Neil's. Mm. We go with her. <laughs> and she says she needs some money for food. He lets her in. She says, I feel badly about how the last time she was me too. And then shocks him with some taser, taser. taser thing. And there's a revenge rape scene. Mm. Oh. And they did not shoot the actor naked. They had him in like CGI nakedness in a sense. Oh, okay. Because the determination was that nobody on set or even in the audience wanted to see him really naked. Now, if you're the audience, I don't know how you know if it's CGI or not. So I don't really buy that. But I guess the idea was just for some reason, we don't need to see you naked. Not that I'm... Not that I'm no. But it was just an interesting choice. Um, and so we find out she had recorded her rape. She had a camera in the bag. It's interesting how she had him turn the other way. Turn face up. Yeah. Mm. So, so he, he had to look. So yeah. And so she sodomizes him uh, as she plays the rape that he did on her on the screen and says, if anything, if you don't agree to my conditions, this will go everywhere on the internet and you'll be finished. Um, and along the terms were, I need to have control of my money. You will then get them to determine that I am mentally capable and you will never, ever, ever bring a girl up here consensual or not. Yeah. And I will come in and I will check up on you. And she says, I know it's going to be difficult for you to abide by my rules. The abstinence part, most of all. So I'm going to make it easy for you. And Liam, what does she tattoo on his chest? Do you remember? Uh, I am a pig. Racist, rapist pig. Rapist pig. I am a rapist pig. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a rapist pig. 
And so uh, he agrees to all those deals. And it's interesting because just as she starts to tattoo him, we have that same low angle shot from outside the door yeah. and a reverse zoom out. Yeah. So we see the mirroring there. And it's interesting that when she, the choice that was made here. So the choice that was made was that the most, um, the part where we had to retreat from with her was the uh, penetration of the rape itself. That was where we chose the camera to zoom out. Yeah. For him, we did it with the tattooing. Yeah. Which was an interesting choice about what makes us do that, yeah. that thing. Because actually, his actual penetration just sort of happens very, very early and is kind of then just there. Yeah. Except for when she kicks him. Except for oh, when she kicks him. Yeah. Um, and so Michael at this time is realizing that his MacBook has slideshow options with some pictures that he's been looking <laughs> at and discovers that Harriet looks disturbed at some parade that took place the day of the uh, disappearance. Yeah. There's a parade in town. Um, and so... His daughter comes by to visit, and this was really interesting, placing the daughter and the scene with him and his daughter right beside the I am a rapist pig scene, because you've got this girl who's had so much wrong going on in her life, yeah. and then you have this, maybe a slightly, you know, maybe he was a slightly absent father, but it seems he's a loving father, yeah. and she's going to Bible camp, and she believes in God, <laughs> as opposed to Lisbeth, who's like the opposite oh, of all of that. What I did notice in the first, well, kind of up to this point, really, in the movie, there's an awful lot of chopping and changing between the scenes with Lisbeth and the scenes with Michael, and it's much more so than in the Swedish version. And even like in that scene with the revenge rape, it, it is about three times that we cut to Michael and what he's doing, just looking through photos for a few seconds. I wonder if it's because as North American and British audience, Western audiences, we need a break. Maybe. It's, it's that uncomfortable. It's You're like, give much. me something else. Let me, let me reset. Maybe, because it is really awful. Like there's the, it's a kind of a weird comparison to make. Uh, Liam, I'm sure you've seen this. The music video for Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You. Yeah. And the whole time she's just staring at the camera. Yeah. And it doesn't cut. No. Nope. And it's like two minutes and 16 seconds before it fades to a different shot. And she just stares at you. And you're like, just do something else. This is uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. for me. And we're so conditioned to give me a break. Give me, give me something. Switch the angle. Let me get my bearings again. And I wonder if it's the same sort of idea or going, okay, get out of the scene because it's a little bit too much. People don't want to, hey, look, it's, yeah. it's, it's Chase Bond and his daughter. They're all right. The only thing I found with this, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, because I've never seen it, I'm thinking, are these two different stories? How are they going to link? It is a long time before they finally pair up. Yeah. Um, and then we, so as she's leaving, this would be the daughter, she says, by the way, take it easy on the Catholics. I saw those Bible quotes by your desk. And this is where you find out the page with the random names and numbers are Bible quotes. Yeah. Um, also, this time Henrik has a heart attack, ends up in the hospital. Uh, and he's confronted by a lawyer who uh, isn't sure what this means now. Now that Henrik's in the hospital, what does it mean as far as who does he report to? What kind of conditions can he have? And the deal is made. He can have a research assistant. So he gets Lisbeth to come on up. They arrange for Lisbeth to come on up and uh, help it out. Yeah. Uh, he goes to actually to her place of residence. Which is quite intrusive, really. Well, to be fair, she kind of intruded on his <laughs> privacy, didn't she? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because he knew this. Yeah, he knew this. Yeah. Yeah. True. I was just thinking about the character of him and thinking, well, he just sort of steps in and kind of takes over. Oh, he's like look, look, looking around her house, and I think this is him trying to prove a point. You yeah, snooped yeah. around my life. Yeah. I'm gonna snoop. Yeah, that makes he sense. sees the girl yeah. who she brought home, yeah. and he's like, oh, interesting. And Sorry she, to intrude. And, and, and she, Elizabeth's like, how dare you? And until he suddenly goes, yeah, you know more about me than anybody. Yeah. 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 So let's not talk about that. <laughs> and so he says, what's the deal? And he says, look. I'll, I'm going to tell you a story, and if you want to help me, then great, I'll take your help. And if you don't, then that's fine. But I want you to help me catch a killer who hurts women, or catch a killer, a killer of, women. of women. Yeah. And so she's in. And yeah, by that point, she's yeah. Uh, there was a nice. I just want to point this out. There was a nice little Alan Dale cameo. Yeah. <laughs> back on the island, uh, it's the first place that Jim Elizabeth Robinson goes from, to from neighbors. Yes, and he was Charles Widmore in Lost. Yeah. Um, and now Michael has a little meeting with the family, and they all want him gone, except for Martin. Which is... And one of the questions I have, and I'm probably going to come back to it at the end, but I still want to say here. Why doesn't Martin lead the charge to yeah. get rid of him? Yeah. Just a thought. That's, that's <laughs> to avoid suspicion. But do you think that's what... But th- everybody's doing it. There's no suspicion. But do you think... Because that threw me off. That threw me off. Yeah, yeah. You know, so maybe that's what it was. In the Swedish version, the same thing happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, the same thing happens, and yeah. it threw me off. Yeah, yeah. Um, right near the start, is it Henrik, the the older guy, says to yeah. to Michael, um, "Of course, you should never eliminate the the person who calls the police oh, from yeah, the murder that. investigation." Yeah. Um, so I think it's a nice little tie back to that. Yeah. Uh, and so we find out that Elizabeth comes back and she's cracked the list and she's cracked it like massively. Yeah. She's got like it all figured out and they figure out that all the names of the girls are Jewish names Yeah, because they've all got old Testament biblical names. And we know that one of the members of the family, if not more were Nazis. Yeah. And even point to one up at the window. (laughs) Yep. The next morning, um, she, Elizabeth has got put nice and early and started uh, hacking his laptop he goes, you know, that's encrypted, right? And she just goes, please. <laughs> I love that. And he's like, we're, we're going to have a conversation about what's mine and what's yours. <laughs> um, and he comes around her shoulder to show her something on the laptop, and she recoils. Yes, she does, yeah. And with no reason. And I didn't mention this. When he goes to her apartment, his body language, she's very she's very um, anxious. Yeah. And he drops his head down. It was physical language. He does everything he can to make her feel safe. Yeah. He says something as well, like, if. If you touch me, then oh, I'll Oh, she has like a knife or something, or something and, out. And, and he like, says, there's you, no need for that. that yeah. You won't be needing that. That's yeah, that yeah. And so... Um, He's not looking at her as a sexual object no. in any way, shape, or form. Um, which is interesting. Which is really interesting, yeah. Yeah, until... And then yeah. she discovers there's a picture in the picture. So in the picture they've been looking at, there's another woman taking a picture of what's on the other side. Yeah. The, and what's on the other side would be the thing that scared Harriet back in the day. So um, then we have, and this doesn't happen in the Swedish version, but we have Lisbeth catching up with Niels in the yes, elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And goes, how's your sex life? And then goes, by the way, uh, your last report wasn't very good. Make sure you find a doctor who's going to declare me competent and stop searching tattoo removal websites on the internet. Or I'll, stick or it I'll do face. it again right here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah. to put it on his forehead. Um, and then Michael Blumfist is out for his morning walk. He's got his Fitbit out. He's going to get to 5,000 steps. And someone shoots him and grazes his head. And that, you know, concerns him. Yeah, it would me. Uh, I wouldn't have hung around as long as he did. Lisbeth yeah. sees him uh, with the wound and decides she's going to stitch this up herself using um, dental, dental floss. floss and vodka to sterilize it. Yeah. Uh, 
And then she I felt that pain. And then she orders him to take his wet clothes off, and I'm like, yeah, I hear you there. And then she rewards him for this with sex. Yeah. <laughs> Which she recalled from him earlier. And yeah. Then, yeah. That's two extremes again. And he's and, like, this is a bad idea. And she's well, just like, stop talking. Is there? Because yeah. <laughs> he walks up, she walks up to him and just sort of kind of starts in a sense. Yeah. She doesn't go, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do. There's no yeah. foreplay. There no. is this assumption. The, the film does give you the assumption that all men want sex. Yeah, but you get it early on with him that he's not after that with her. Yes, but then she just goes up and just starts to have sex yeah. with him. It doesn't go like, "Would you like to?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just a thing. Yeah. Um, and so in the in the morning, I believe. Uh, she goes, I like working with you. And he goes, I like working with you too. Yeah. <laughs> and he's really quick because Martin keeps calling her his girlfriend and he goes, assistant. And I'm like, you're crossing the lines though. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and then uh, we have, he goes and meets the racist Wenger. I didn't catch what the guy's name was. Harold. Harold. It's like the racist uncle who lives on the hill mm. who had a much bigger part in the Swedish version. Mm. In this version, this was all he got. Oh, okay. In the Swedish version, actually, the, the way it, he, he's forced into the house in the end is through Harold because oh, uh. um, Blomqvist feels that Harold is the killer and goes to search him out. And Harold's crazy and is going to shoot him. Yeah. And then Martin rescues him from being shot. Oh. And that's how he gets him alone in the house, which ah. felt a lot more organic yeah, that did, than just, yeah. I want to tell you something, come here. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that. Um, so he does say, but he's the, he says, they all hide the past. I'm the best of them. And he goes, what, the best of the Vangers? He goes, no, Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find out there's a cross cut where Elizabeth is going through all these murders and everything's pointing to Gottfried, whereas Michael's doing a bunch of research, everything's pointing to Martin. Gottfried, of course, is Martin's father. Yeah. But the problem is where Elizabeth is getting hung up is that the last murder is in 1967 and Gottfried dies in 65 and she yeah. can't reconcile this. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, for some reason, James Bond goes into uh, the Swedish dad from Mamma Mia's house. <laughs> like, why does he go in the house? Does he suspect him, and that's why I he goes so. into? And but why does he go in the house? Because maybe he's just—he goes to knock on the door, I guess, and no one's there, so he breaks in. Like, this is something we haven't seen him do yet to this no. point. No, that, then, that was then, my only issue. Pick, then he picks up the knife. Doesn't he? Picks up the knife because he hears someone coming home, and he thinks he may have to defend himself. Yeah. And he sort of clues in that something, some sort of wind blowing, and he's like, gonna, he tries this door that's locked for some reason. He can't get in. And don't you see the uh, the shotguns with um, with knives on the end? Does he? I'm sure he does. Like, he get, comes across like a cabinet of shotguns. Cabinet. Oh, does he? Okay, yeah. so I, I missed think that. That's the, is that kind of him realizing that maybe it was Martin that yeah. shot Maybe him? Martin who shot him or shot at him. And then when Martin comes in, he's got a bag of guns over his shoulder as well, yeah, so that right, doesn't yeah. help. Um, and so he goes to leave. He runs out, but then he slips on some loose rocks and goes to fall. Yeah. And this is where Henrik get kind of, they both know, but the other one knows, knows what they yeah. know. Martin. And he goes, sorry, Martin goes, come on in. Uh, Henrik asked me to tell you something. And he goes, oh, yeah? He goes, I'll make you a drink. And yeah. he comes in. I'm like, this is the laziest setup <laughs> for like the confrontation ever. Come here. I want to tell you a secret. <laughs> what i do with the dog i've got a treat come here it's okay like this is supposed to be an intelligent man who thinks this guy's masterminded like many murders probably including the one i'm researching right now yeah. but to be fair he does have guns so if he tries to run away what's gonna happen yeah well, he ran before 
Well, he ends up, they get in the house, and of course, um, Martin lets him know, basically, but he knows what's going on. He says, put the gun, put the knife down. I've got a gun. Hunting's more from the gun. Follow me. Down to his, like, death chamber downstairs, where he's obviously, terrifying. it's kind of like Dexter. Yeah. He's kind of like, 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 like a Swedish do-it-yourself kind of Dexter thing. <laughs> Not that Dexter wasn't doing it himself. He was. But, um, and he kind of talks about, you know, all the women he's killed over many, many years in this place. Do you, do you know what's quite uh, interesting when he steps at the camera is when you see the the focus on Daniel Craig, you mm-hmm. see part of his face. Yeah. Just very, very money part of it. Yeah. Which is kind of odd, I think. Yeah, I don't know why. No. Also, it's this old VCR camera. Yeah. And there's some old reel-to-reel tape fact, as well, which gives you the idea. It's been going on for a long time yeah, there. Yeah. And so um, then he puts on some music. And it's that Enya. song by Enya, like, Salouet, Salouet, Salouet. They were trying to figure out what song to do on set, and Daniel Craig pulled up his iPod and just started flicking and shouted <laughs> that out. And at first they all laughed, and the more they thought of it, they went, well, he would get pleasure out of this, so actually it shouldn't be some dark, discordant no, thing. Yeah. It should be like adult, contemporary, easy listening sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and Enya's also kind of quirky enough to kind of go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Use my song for the murder. Yeah. Um, and this is, but before he dies, uh, Blomfish wants to know, I know you killed Harriet. And like, Martin's like, what are you talking about? What, you, fa- you found out what happened to Harriet? And he goes, you killed her. And he's like, you know, some detective, you know nothing. And to yeah. be fair, he's right. Like, yeah. he's done a pretty rubbish job here. And he puts a carrier bag over his head and ties it up. And it was brutal. All I kept thinking was, they must have really done that. Yeah. I, I, I don't care whether I'm acting or not. <laughs> this, to me. It was supposed to be cellophane, but they couldn't make it work without looking stupid. So they sent someone down to the corner store as quickly as they could to get a carrier back. Holy crap. Jesus. <laughs> they never tried that out. And so uh, there is that. And so as he's about to, we find out that uh, he says that his father used to abuse him. Yeah. He says he's never touched a man except for his father, but that was his duty. And just as he's about to sort of take this knife and stab Daniel he, Craig with he's it. He's taking like time to find like a certain organ. A certain part. Because uh, I guess yeah. in a man, it might be different when a man, because he seems very thrown off by the fact. Yeah. Because he goes to unzip the trousers and he's like, wait, hang on. I don't know. Yeah. This, is, this isn't the usual thing. Yeah. Um, and there's a great speech he makes about, you know, everybody thinks they can talk me out of it. They can humanize themselves. They think if I'm polite, they think if I'm this, they think if I'm that, they think if they flirt with me, something will win me over. And eventually they all lose hope. Yeah. And this is a very similar scene to the Swedish version. Ellie, something you want to say? Yeah, there's a really interesting bit as well before he puts the bag on his head where he talks about Lisbeth. And he says, Lisbeth, I like that name. Um, and I double-checked, and it's an Old Testament name. Uh-huh. Um, and then he says, when Lisbeth leaves, he'll get a call from security and he can't, he can't thank uh, Michael enough for bringing and him to him. And there's a sick smile on his face when he says yeah. that last bit. So mm. it's like she's the she's the next step in but the of, chain. But of course, and no one would, would miss her theoretically because no. she's a ward of the mm. state. Yeah. But because he said the woman we had before was just some immigrant. You say immigrant whore? I want to make sure yeah. I get it right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, but of course, we saw Elizabeth just ran out and just left the keys on the desk and didn't check in with anybody. So no. that part doesn't really sync up. She's found some security footage that showed. Um, Martin hanging around the house, and she, she she books it over to Martin's kill chamber. Just in the right Just in the time. nick of time, because they had Daniel Craig in that bag for a long time. Yeah. Mm. And I, that, that part was a lot longer than the Swedish version. That 
she cra- still terrified. She cracks him in the head with, with like a, a nine oh, iron or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Breaks his jaw or something like that. Really? And they made the blood for that CGI so that they could go back and reshoot it if they needed to, oh, rather okay. than wipe it off and reapply and wipe it off yeah, and reapply. Yeah. He goes out and she asks for permission to kill him. Yeah. Now that was different than the Swedish version. The Swedish version, Blomqvist is actually a little bit upset that she goes <laughs> on this like murder rampage. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's weird that she had to ask permission from a man. I thought this was a really weird yeah. thing to do. And so she goes and chases after him. And just like in the Swedish version, he runs off off the road and it goes upside down and it start, gas just starts to bridge. leak out. I thought it was going to be on the bridge. In, yeah. In the Swedish version, she could have saved him oh. and watches him and then it ignites and she still watches him. Oh, so that's... much more interesting. Whereas yeah. in this version, she goes to walk up with a gun in her hand and then it like catches on fire and she's like, Good enough. Yeah. And there's never a moment where she could save him if she so chose. That'd be more powerful. And in the Swedish version, Blomqvist is really thrown by her from this and yeah. doesn't know how to reconcile this. Whereas Bond's like, I kill five people a week. This is no big deal. <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of that. Uh, this is kind of the interesting part in that um, a traditional film, as we always talk about, has three acts. It's a three-act structure. This, they determined, would have to be written in a five-act structure. And a five-act structure is usually done like TV, like police procedurals. Right. Because this is the big moment of the film. And really, you're kind of thinking like it should be coming to an end, but it actually goes on for quite a while here. Yeah, that's what I Whereas thought. Whereas the Swedish one does end really, really quickly. quickly. Really, really quickly. This, this is yeah, kind this. of it. So the Swedish one's very much a three act structure. This is very much a five. See, I felt like it should have ended there. And so they go into a room and they go, yeah. And the weirdest part was he clearly didn't kill, kill Harriet. So. He goes, unless, and then he figures the whole thing out, like, on the spot. (laughs) I'm like, you are just writing yourself. He just goes on a speech and goes, this is happening like a courtroom or something like that. And then you have a moment you go, you'd ask the witness one more question and it would be the right question. (laughs) He's like, unless, and then he goes to London and he figures out eventually that uh, Harriet, what's Anita? Anita Anita is Harriet. Yeah. Although not before, he he tries a couple of stabs at it first and goes, oh, because he thinks if he tells her, uh, Martin's dead that uh, Anita will call. call Harriet yeah and then when that doesn't happen he goes you are Harriet and they yeah. find out that she snuck her out of the boot over the bridge the next day and helped her smuggle out by they traveled twice one uh, Anita on her s- single name and Harriet on her married name now this only makes sense if you do what was said in the Swedish version and you comment on how similar they look this never happened yeah. in the American version. There was a whole thing with a necklace or something like that, which wasn't mentioned. Like there are key points that if you had 15 minutes more, you could have gone, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. And they chose instead because in the Swedish version, Blomqvist and Lisbeth split. She's like, I'm independent. I'm not sticking around for no man. Off I go. Yeah. I, this was a thing for the time we had. It's not a thing now. We're ending it. Whereas in this one, she's like a lost little puppy dog who's like, I still want to be with... Be with them. And so they go back to the regular life. Uh, not before we... Oh, there's a re- reunion of a need... Uh, no, yeah, Harriet and Henrik. Henrik, Henrik yeah. And a, a touching scene. It is, it is touching. Um, and then he goes to give the dirt that he has. But the point is the dirt's 35 years old and no longer can do what it needs to do because the statute of limitations has passed. Yeah. But that means which, that which after... I didn't know. Yeah, after a certain amount of time with some crimes... Uh, if enough time has passed, you can't, you're like immune. doesn't matter. Oh, You've okay. passed the limit by which it would have done any good. Yeah. So, but then um, we have a scene where Elizabeth asks Michael for 50,000 
Is it euros? Krona. Krona. Yeah. 50,000 kroner. And he goes on, have that. And she goes, you're 65,000 kroner. And he's okay with it. He's like, okay, fair enough. What was that in pounds? It was, it was the 10,000 earlier on was eight, oh, 830. So maybe she's something. asking for about 3,500 pounds. This is five times that amount. So 10,000 yeah, 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 is 50,000. Yeah, 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 yeah. So 800 would be about 4,000, about 4,000 pounds. Yeah. If she gets all that for 4,000 pounds, she's doing okay. Yeah. We find out that she's going to dye her hair, look like a cross between Jennifer Lawrence and Katy Perry. She got a wig, didn't she? Oh, she got a wig, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's going around on a fake passport, and she's making all these bank transfers yeah. up to about 2 billion euros or something like that. That was crazy money. Like cashing in all the bonds from yeah. Cayman in, Islands. In, into, like, into like her name, into like an account that only she can access. Yeah. And gives, comes back, gives Michael back his 50,000 I'd like kroner. to think that she gave him a little bit extra. You'd hope. I mean, the guy who bloody well did got the percentage on the uh, commission. Yeah, yeah. How much did he get? Yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she also manages to expose him as a result of this expose what was the guy's name uh veniston venistrom 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 and that is that and um then there's a coda where she talks to her old uh guardian says how they're playing chess and there's a warmth there. And she apologizes for being a handful. And says, I've made a friend, a friend you would approve of. And this is an interesting comparison to the Swedish version as well, because in the Swedish one, it's her mum. Is it? Yeah. What's her mum? The, the person she goes to see like in a care home is her oh, mum. It, oh, it's it? not, her gar- not her old guardian. So um, it's a very different relationship. And then she goes and buys a leather jacket. And there's a photo of, I guess, who we're assuming are her father and mother. And he's wearing a leather jacket. I assume... I, I don't know. It didn't really. See, that's the problem. It didn't give you in the Swedish version. We had flashbacks to her trying, you know, killing her father with like a match and all that stuff, like throwing it into a car and yada yada yada. Yeah. In this version, she just sort of mentions it in bed. Okay. Was weird. I mm. really liked that about the Swedish version that you had all of this backstory for her, and it just didn't exist in this one. She buys a leather jacket and she goes over to his workplace. But he's back with his on-again-off-again affair with uh, Claire Underwood. Because he said he was seeing his daughter, didn't he? Is For Christmas, what, is yeah. Is why she got upset? Because she... Is it the same day? I don't know. Because that's obviously a Christmas present for him. Yeah, I, I feel like time's past. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. I, I didn't really like how it ended. And so she sees him walking off with uh, Eric, Erica, yeah? Mm-hmm. Hand in hand, arm in arm. They're laughing. And it's the kind of thing... Because I mean, there, there's an age gap. There's a culture gap. There's a lot of differences between them. Yeah. Um, does she ever become more of his assistant? Are they boyfriend-girlfriend by the end? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know. Again, it's a very different relationship to win the Swedish one, yeah. isn't it? There's an assistant with benefits, isn't it? It seems like it, yeah. <laughs> Basically. There is one scene when they're in bed together for the second time, and he goes to ask her a question, and she makes him stop until mm. she's happy with how things are finished. And then she says, what were you going to say? Yeah. Um, and so... She throws the jacket. She throws the jacket in a dumpster and rides off, and it just ends. Yeah. And that felt like it was... So in a, in a five-act structure, your your sort of peak happens in the back three, act four, and then you're coming down, and it's just, it's just like a bunch of extra information at the end, like Law and Order. 
Have you ever seen Law and Order? Mm, kind of. They finish the case and they have one last scene when they're like all in the room talking. Well, why would you do this? Well, sometimes oh, we okay. learn that yada yada, and it applies to our lives in some way or it doesn't, oh, okay. and they sort of talk their way through it, and it sort of brings you down before it sends you off on your way. Yeah. And I guess if you're trying to build a franchise, maybe it's what you're doing: make her be single, make her be brokenhearted, so she trusts the next man even less in the sequel. Maybe, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So, just a couple of notes in passing before we leave this behind. Um, it is that there was supposed to be a sequel to this film. Right. I assume um, there would be, considering there was three in the Swedish yep. one. You're supposed to have the girl who played with fire and the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. Uh, with back-to-back release dates of 2013. But by August 12, 2012, it was delayed because the script was not yet finished. And it was the same guy who wrote the first script. Yeah. Uh, the following year, by July 2013, a different guy was hired to write the script. Uh, it was The problem was Fincher said uh, the script for The Girl That Played With Fire was extremely different from the book. And despite the long delay, he was confident the film would be made because the studio had spent millions on the rights and the script. But Mara Rooney was less than optimistic about the production of the sequels, though she stated that she was still contractually obligated to reprise her lead role. By 2015, it was announced Sony was considering rebooting the whole franchise. And then they decided, no, no, no. Let's actually do an adaptation of The Girl in the Spider's Web. And this is a f- book from the same universe, but written by a different writer. Okay. So what had happened is Stieg Larsson wanted to do 10 books in the series, apparently. Yeah. He dies after the first three. Oh, okay. Oh. But because he and his girlfriend of many years never married, she doesn't have control of his estate. Whoever has control of his estate basically sold the intellectual property rights to the characters, to someone else to, to, to keep writing books in that series. Yeah. And so his widow is furious these things are happening, but they're going to pick a book done by not that same writer, but with those same characters. Yeah. And they're going to go ahead with that. Um, it's based on David Langerkrantz's book, The Girl in the Spider's Web. Um, and during that year, Claire Foy instead was cast as Lisbeth Salander, replacing Rooney Mara. Uh, the film was released in the U.S. I didn't even know this thing came out. November 2018. It has a 39% approval rating on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. We shall not be reviewing that. Then. And that is really more or less that. Uh, so, I guess the questions are um, what the questions are, which is, I had some little extra bits before we do our usual whatabouts. Uh, and that is, why was this not bigger? Why was this not a bigger deal? It's David Fincher. It's Daniel Craig, one of the most bangable movie stars in the world. A lot of good cameos. It's got sex and violence, which seems to be a thing. Mix those two up in in the 21st century. Why is this not bigger? Because my only answer is I think the title's a little bit off-putting. Yeah. I think it sounds like it... mm, I think anytime you put the word dragon in, I think people locate it with a different part of the world. Yeah. I think that might have confused some people. I think if you had called this anything else. The dodgy haircut girl. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I think if you had found some other catchier, more more Hollywood-friendly title, I think that helps. I also think the Swedish factor goes against it. Yeah. I don't think Northern audience, North American audiences, especially I don't think American audiences, are prepared for uh, a film series that's not primarily set in America or at the very least Britain. Yeah. Because we can relate to those. Because like I say, I remember um, a big deal about the books, but not really about the film. So 
Yeah, I don't know. Which character had you kind of um, faked out? Which character did you bite on who wasn't the actual villain? I thought um, the villain was Stephen Burkoff, the lawyer. The lawyer. Yeah. Now, Ellie, you can respond based on the first version when you saw it for the first time. Who was it who had you psyched out? I can't remember. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> it was quite a long time ago that I saw it. All right. Uh, for me, it was the uh, cop, the copper who had the old. Because in this one, he oh, seems okay. this one he seems good though. Yeah, yeah. In the Swedish version, he seems a bit dodgy. He's got um, a much bigger part in the Swedish and version, he, and, so he, and he seems right dodgy. Like he tries to shush it up a little bit. Oh, okay. Instead of being, yeah, help me find solve this case, he's like, you're not going to find anything. Let it be. Yeah. Some things should just stay on. You're never going to figure it out because he just doesn't believe it's worth his time. But it comes across like. It's not the way he came across. In no, 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 no. So in this one, I mean, your choices were a bit more limited, I think, in who the bad guy could be. But it did a good job of giving you enough red herrings that you went, oh, maybe it's him because of this. And maybe it's the Nazi thing over here. And The reason I thought it was Burkhoff was because he often plays villains. And um, it's nice to see him back in, on the screen because he does, um, I think he does a lot of writing these days. Um, and uh, he said something about taking control of the state if something happens. Is what made me think, oh, okay, you're not part of the family, but you're going to take control. I, I don't know, something yeah. like that. And, and the fact that was Stephen Burkhoff, and that just made me go, he's always a villain. <laughs> and he plays a very good villain. But, he, yeah. you know, so that was the reason I thought of him. But you're right with the uh, whole giving someone a, a big name star <laughs> in just a, a smaller role just seems, seems it, odd. There'll be a reveal. He'll be, <laughs> he'll be important at the end. Yeah. <laughs> um. The Swedish version and the American version had two different endings. And maybe, Liam, maybe we can talk about the American version on this one with you. Um, the American version, he leaves her in a sense. She's heartbroken and leaves as the outsider, rejected, damaged soul she's always been. Does that line up with who either of these characters felt like they were? Is it that she finally let someone in her heart and he burned her again? Yeah, but again, I don't understand her reasoning behind it. Because they weren't an item. They weren't together. They One five-minute conversation could have made that a lot more impactful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed odd. Because I, I made a friend. As far as we ever got, I made a friend. Yeah. When she bought the leather jacket, it's for a friend. Yeah. Must be a good friend. But we don't know because she never had a friend. And just because he puts her arm around someone else, why does that? Because she's insinuating there's more to it than just that. Even if she had a moment where she was like, why am I not like all the other girls? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because uh, Erica is the blonde, pretty, successful corporate girl. But at no point does it seem like that would bother Lisbeth. No. That was never a thing. It, it just seemed out of character at the end. In fact, there's a scene earlier on in the film where she walks into the room with Erica and Michael and just is completely nonchalant, isn't there? Is she? Yeah, she just, she just walks in and is like, okay, cool. Okay. So, yeah, just a really kind of weird thing. Whereas Ellie, I mean, in the version you see in the Swedish version, she leaves him and she kind of walks off almost like an enigma into the night and just disappears. She's much more aloof in the Swedish one, isn't I she? I think that's, yeah. But she's also got that, that, I think that backstory really gives her something and it, it just develops her character so much more that we kind of understand the inner workings of her brain a little bit more in the, yeah. in the Swedish one. I think I prefer the Swedish... <sighs> I think I prefer both the acting job and the characterization done in the script better in the Swedish version. Yeah. But I like, I like, I thought Daniel Craig did a fine job. Yeah, he did. Um, I like the structure of the Swedish one more as well. I think the, um, the way that they discover the links and to the murders in this one is really, really quick. 
Whereas they just go into a room and go, I've got it. Like, yeah, they tell Elizabeth, you and they act on Elizabeth it. Elizabeth goes, oh, they're all Jewish. Oh, here are the people they killed. And it's, it's like you get kind of, was there like a kind of quick clip of all of the, yeah. Yeah, she's the images? In the, in the Swedish version, it feels like you've earned the, it. Well, they go to the places where yeah. the murders took place and they speak to they, people and they, and they really the discover the nitty gritty of it. And you get all of this interaction from the detective who is that big character, the Inspector Morell or whatever he's called. Yeah. Um, and it just adds so much more to the story, I think. And every big moment of revelation you're if you haven't figured it out you've gone there with them so you felt like it was part of the journey and you've earned it that's as opposed to i'm gonna walk really excitedly over to the board and point (laughs) at it and tell the audience something and that's that and i'm going how did you get there i mean you were stumped like i believe there are aha moments but give me something (laughs) i know they're both long films but this one is is only what 20 minutes shorter than the other one and i don't understand where they spent the time in this one because there's so much that they cut from the swedish version yeah i don't know hard for me to comment because i haven't seen the swedish but... there's at least five extra minutes to go to erica mm. if you go with the whole we're, we're buying the magazine and that maybe three or four extra minutes that go on the title sequence yeah i don't know it wouldn't have taken much to fix this. Just a couple more scenes here or there. Just a couple of conversation scenes. That's all you would have yeah. needed. I do still like the film very much. Oh, me too. Yeah. It's just the really Swedish hard when you put the mirror against the Swedish Really version. good. Um, and so, I mean, I could say whose story is this. I, I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, the film's got the girl with. I mean, it's 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 her. I mean, she, like plot-wise, she's got the much more interesting things happen to her. Yeah. But her arc, in a sense ends when she does the reverse rape yeah and then she and then, just and then she just assists him in the bigger arc the arc the, the, the story we're really here for is who is harriet yeah. yeah and that felt like a complete that was so underwhelming we find out who she is and what she's done yeah, yeah. oh you're her yeah. yeah that's me yeah yeah. you got me because in the swedish version they go to australia and they find her on a ranch and he says he uses her name and it's like oh okay because then he then he goes to the door and then he says to her something like um, Martin's dead. Yeah, and but then he stops her again and says like he like you know. I, he, I, he, go, he goes back you, to her you, workplace. You, you don't know before your brother died. He uh, yeah he tied me up by the neck or something like yeah, that. Yeah yeah. <sighs> um, I don't know. So uh, favorite character. Um, favorite performance if that helps instead. This is odd for me to say this, but Daniel Craig. Yeah. My, yeah. I don't normally go for the leads. No, fair enough. Um, but I, did, I, I liked the cameo of Burkoff because I hadn't seen him in something for a while. Um, but he didn't really shine. It's just the fact that, you know, it was like, oh, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, same yeah. with um, Alan Dale, is it? Alan Dale. Yep. It was the same as that. Oh, know? he was just a cameo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was just, it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think Daniel Craig, because I quite believed his character. Yep. Ellie? Uh, for me, it's Lisbeth. But again, I prefer in the Swedish one. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, still, I do think that Rooney Mara did a really good job still. Um, and I, I really enjoy um, her sort of dry humour in lots of places and these little witty comments that she comes out with. I think they add a lot of interest to it. Uh, I'm going to go with Daniel Craig for mine as well. Um, it's really hard because with the performance of both of them, it's really hard to go how much we talk about bad directors on our little roundtable mm. about you know if lines delivered poorly, 
and scenes are delivered poorly. You know, everything here felt believable, and everything in a Fincher movie does feel believable. It's just the way it works. And um, but I thought some of Craig's subtleties. It's easier for him to come in and just go on Bond and just sort of mail yeah. it in, and kind of say his lines and take his. It's very, very um, ironic or very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? At the beginning of the film, everything was going Bond, 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 and then after about half an hour, I forgot about Bond. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was like. I thought, oh my god, this is going to be another Bond movie, but crashy <laughs> really Bond not. movie. Yeah, and and it, and it isn't. Once I got no, over the fact not. that you know the opening titles and him, it, was, it wasn't just Fincher trying to make his own Bond film. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, so to start with, that lulled me into a false sense that I was thinking I was going to see a, another Bond movie, but I quickly changed after after about half an hour. Yeah. Um, so is that um, favorite bit, favorite scene, favorite element of the film? Uh, I like the. Uh, the car crash scene. What at the very end? Yeah. Okay. I, I I've got a big thing for stunt performers. Okay. I look at I look at scenes, and if you see them, I just think it's great. I, I, I love to see it, you know, in real time rather than just CGI. Yeah. And yeah, I like that. <laughs> Ellie. Um, I think I I really like that bit where um Michael wakes up and then Elizabeth's on his computer hacking into his encrypted files and stuff that's that's got lots of nice little humor in it but also the scene when Elizabeth is in the library and the amount of sass that she gives to that librarian and the authority that she delivers it with I just think it's fantastic and it really made me laugh what's interesting because in his big you know supervillain speech Martin says people would rather, you know, have the, they're more afraid of offending than they are afraid of pain. And actually, Elizabeth wasn't. Elizabeth was totally cool with offending people in that scene in the library rather than than, than pain. I'd also like to give a special shout out to her t-shirt in the scene where uh, she's first introduced to Michael. Oh, speaking of t-shirts, we did not talk about the Nine Inch Nails no, reference no. t-shirt in... He we had spoke a sl- about it during the film, didn't he, we? Yeah, he had a slightly bigger part in the Swedish film, but when she goes to visit the hacker to get some stuff... yeah. Uh, he says this thing about, you know, I'm on welfare, but I don't provide it. <laughs> but he's wearing like a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt, which must have been a reference to Trent Reznor and Atticus Rock. So course. What, what, that was a nice shout out. Uh, I'm going to go with any time. Um, I'm kind of sort of pivoting slightly on what Ellie said. Anytime you've got Daniel Craig and uh, Rooney Mara together alone and they're just sort of. Uh, just the two of them sort of not, not, not plot wise yeah. not even chilled but that scene when he goes into her place the first time yeah. and she's on edge and he's he's talking her down and yeah. it was just a really nice he, she needed she needed a man she could trust and yeah. you know the and one she, man who she could trust ended up having a stroke and then she actually gets someone who's not trying to use her not trying to abuse his situation but actually is just being good for her and treating her like an equal and all that stuff it's kind of odd that once she does trust him, she then makes the move. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but rewards him in that. Is that the only? Is that the only currency she knows as far as like how to show appreciation? Maybe that's just in build. I felt that more in the Swedish version that she was sort of like yeah. this is the only because she's very, she detaches sex from emotion a lot more in the Swedish version. Oh, okay. Like she like has sex with him and then gets up and goes back to her own bed. Oh, and, that, and that's a huge deal. It's like why yeah, would I stay yeah. here? And just gets up and leaves him. <laughs> Like she's very she's she's a lot more quirky is not the right word complicated yeah in in the in the Swedish version she's amazing um so there's that um is there is there a, a grumble a bone of contention on this one you already stole mine no oh, you can bring it up again mm, come back to me on that okay so the yeah the accents the, the variation in the accents were 
<sighs> my biggest thing. I think the film's better for Daniel Craig being able to use his natural voice, but I think you had to make an mm. all or none call on that. But also the the ones that you did get were really bad, especially Robin Wright's. So I would have rather they Robin just Wright's went was bad. She went full out American on a I bunch think, of occasions. I think hers would have still been really noticeably bad if Daniel Craig were doing a Swedish accent. Oh, I'm as well. so glad he didn't. I couldn't deal with the lead being like butchering a Swedish. If you can't do it brilliantly, don't do it. Yeah. Um, the one person didn't have fake an accent that much, of course, Stellan Skarsgård, who yeah, actually yeah. sounded quite American compared to a bunch of them who are fake. Because he's been, yeah, he did. He's been doing North American shows yeah. for so long. I think he's used to that sort of thing. This, he said, it was the first time he ever got to sleep in his own bed while making a movie. Oh, fantastic! Because he lives in Stockholm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was quite interesting. Um, my bone of contention. Uh, well, I've just completely lost it. Well, my bone of contention yes. is. Felt like it didn't go anywhere in places, and I felt like it was too long. Um, I was waiting to see the, I was waiting to see them get together. That was two different stories. Yeah, I was waiting for them to to merge, but I had already come to that decision that I wanted it to merge earlier mm-hmm. than it did. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's the must my grandma. I just mind stuff we already talked about, but it's the the, the big revelations didn't feel earned. Right. Knowing the story, I was like, how are they going to tie this all together? Because there's whole flashbacks and key props and and like character discussions and flashbacks that rather than deal with them in the moment and use it to help build it, they just said the whole bit where she talks about killing her father. Yeah, like that's brought up like so much earlier. Yeah, there's in like a journal entry he finds or something along those lines. And or, this one brought him to like like later later. Oh, it? like when like, he finds her yeah. and says you're so and so. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> So yeah, and I didn't like the end either. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't feel right. They rushed bits and they dragged other bits. I don't yeah. know how to. I just disagree with the five act structure. It didn't yeah. work. It, it, it should have work. ended when he died. Yeah, that's how I felt. I thought I should have become. Eric didn't need to be as big a part as you. Just the, the bits they did to make it Hollywood. That's yeah, the yeah, bits yeah. I would have cut. Like you know, we didn't. Did Robin Wright really add that much to the? Not really. You know, we got Robin Wright. Okay, great. In yeah, what? Yeah. In this sort of side part, which doesn't do get to do much. I could do without that character completely. Actually, no. They could, he could have just gone. He had an affair. What's him? He had an affair. It ended. Yeah. And she's just some woman. Okay, fine. Fair enough. And then off we go and yeah. use that time to develop. Christopher Plummer's character Henrik was was underdeveloped. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's more that could have been done. I mean, Stellan Skarsgård was good, but where was his wife in the final mm. thing? Where was the guy who has a, you know, Niels? Where was his wife and family? She goes to his house twice. Once he tells her to come over. The second time she comes over unannounced. I didn't understand his his part in the film. Was it just to establish that, you know, eventually when he comes to see her, um, Craig comes to see her, um, he goes, we're fighting for the, the, a woman killer. Type thing. I think is it's that, part of it. I think I, th- I think we're reason? I think we're supposed to see a world in which the women throughout this novel are tortured by men. Okay. And it's not just a specific thing to the to the Vanger family. I'd rather been told that than seen it. I didn't like to see it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean it, <laughs> without question, if you you walk away from this and you go, what to tell me about Girl the Dragon Tattoo? It's that scene, isn't it? Yeah. See, Game of Thrones used to every year do one scene. Yeah. And it was, this is the scene you're going to talk about this year, whether it was the Red Wedding, whether it was the Shame Walk, whether it was um, the rape of uh, Sansa. Yeah. There was always one scene every year where you went, oh, jeez. But it got people people talking. Yeah. It was water cooler. And I think those two scenes are that. Yeah. But for me, I could have done without 
I'd rather. Oh, have, I think I think I'd rather have heard it yeah. and not seen it. I, I I would rather be outside the room. Yeah. 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 And let the imagination go, but you know. Yeah. But I think the discomfort of it really adds to the film. Yeah, and it was really interesting then, but they balanced that out with sex being used in a positive nature between her yeah. and Daniel Craig later on. Yeah. So she wasn't a victim from sex. Sex wasn't scarred for her. It wasn't ruined for her. In fact, no. she uses and she um, instigates sex. Yeah. I think you, you do very much need the revenge rape scene. If that wasn't there, it would feel really... Yeah, yeah, you do, it would continue again, to feel uncomfortable, yeah. whereas that kind of balance... That kind of moral, <laughs> no, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. It's, it still is really graphic and awful, but it's kind of in an empowering way. Yeah. Well... I guess that just leaves us with oh, just a couple of things. Uh, a couple of things. Reviews on the way out. Uh, here's what before we say what we thought about it. So get your ratings ready. Let's see what the what the film uh, critics thought. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone, called it. Um, he said Fincher's girl is a girl with a uh, dragon tattoo is gloriously rendered but too impersonal to leave a mark. The New Yorker, uh, David Densby, said that although the film was austere but captivating, uh, it presents a glancing, chilled view of a world where succinct moments of loyalty coexist with, cons- with constant trials of betrayal. Uh, the New York Observer said, despite its occasional incomprehensibility, the movie was technically superb and superbly acted. And I think that's it. Like the story at times, you're like, what? Are, what? Yeah. But you look at the acting, you go, can't fault it. No. There's not one person where I went, that role might not be necessary. Well acted. Yeah. Rooney Mara uh, disagree with some of the things, but well acted. I don't think, even though I prefer the, the other girl, yeah. she did a great job. Daniel Craig was fantastic. Plummer was great. Skarsgård was great. Mm. Um, however, Kyle Smith of the New York Post censored the film, calling it rubbish. And further commenting, it demonstrates merely that masses will thrill to an unaffecting, badly written, psychologi- psychologically shallow, and deeply unlikable pulp story, <laughs> so long as you allow them to feel sanctified by the occasional meaningless reference to feminism or to Nazis. Would you like to play the age game? Oh, the age game, the age I've only got three. Okay, what do you have? Age game. Go for it. Uh, Rooney Mara. Ooh. Oh, I think she's quite young. I'd say 20. I think I know some information on this. I'm going to say 24. She's 26. Oh, wow. You got closer. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig? Uh, 40. 40. What was that? 40. <laughs> I said 40, 40. 40, 40. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with what I first thought I heard and say 44. <laughs> 43. Oh. 40-40. Hey. Um, <laughs> and finally, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, okay. So, uh, 52. Oh, wow, that's a good guess. I'm going to go 55. 60. Whoa. Wow. He looks good for his age. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's that Swedish lifestyle. Yeah, Lots of hot man. springs. Yeah. I don't know. If you're from Sweden, I have no idea. I'm assuming. God bless you, people. <laughs> yeah. You're an attractive group. Yeah. You are. Driving around in your Volvos listening to Ava. That's right. <laughs> and Ikea. She had some Ikea, Ikea. in her house. That's yeah. right. So okay. with that in mind... What did you feel about it? A rating out of 10, Mr. Liam. I'm going to go for a controversial six. Six? Yeah. Ooh, that Ooh. is controversial. Mm. Okay. It didn't really talk to me. And there's bits in it, like I say, the rape scenes I didn't like. Okay. I just, the acting was great. Yeah. Daniel Craig was phenomenal in it, I thought. Um, Here's a question. Is it the best thing you've seen Daniel Craig do? No. Not the best movie he's been in. Is it his best work? 
Mm, I think I might say it's his, it's his best acted thing I've seen him in. Are you telling it's me that Lucky good. Logan ain't great? I haven't seen Lucky Logan. <laughs> <laughs> like, to be fair, he's, he's... It's a great film, but he's not great in Knives Out. Okay. I'll he's not great in Knives Out. I've not seen that. I go see... It's a, it's a, great, it's a really good film. I do um, like Skyfall, though. That's my favorite Bond is, movie. Is he a good actor in it? He's always good. If you t- if James Bond's dead easy, you either got to be a womanizer or you got to be like, I'm being tortured. Those are like his two moods. But the thing about... Or stiff upper lip Bond. I think the, uh, what I like about Daniel Craig's uh, Bond is he shows pain. Oh, he shows pain. Where before it wasn't... Yeah, you know, I just he, feel... He looked rough around the he's edges. He's just very... It's just like, all pristine. Bonds. All Bonds are kind of one-dimensional in the way they handle things. Just which dimension is it this time? I saw Layer Cake many years ago. I can't really remember too much about that. I might have to revisit that one. Okay. So a six out of ten, though. Six out of ten, yeah. Because I, I, I struggled. I struggled with it at the beginning. Um, there's certain bits I wanted to get to quicker. Um, yeah, I felt it lagged in places, and I felt like it was too long. But yeah, okay. six. Ellie? I feel like this is a good time to add in that um, our loyal listener, Dwayne Smith, said to us that we should have watched the Swedish version instead. Yep. Um, and... In hindsight, I would agree. <laughs> so I'm tentatively going to give this one an eight. Okay. Because I did still really enjoy it, but definitely not as much as the Swedish one. Uh, I'm going to go seven and a half. It's a good film. Uh, I don't know how I'd feel if I hadn't seen the Swedish version. I might have liked this a whole lot more. So we talked last week about Dangerous Minds going, yeah. I wish I'd seen the other film. This is one where I feel like I've seen the other film. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I wish I'd seen the Swedish and, version. And, and, and now I'm watching this one going, oh, I so prefer the, the, the way it was originally done. Yeah. Not because it was first, because I'm probably more inclined to want to like this one more. I like Fincher. I like, mm. and I don't think it's their fault. I just think that they had to deal with the script they were given. Yeah. And I think it's kind of gone the way it's gone. So seven and a half. It's a good film. It's well acted. There's some really great cinematography in the editing. Yeah, you can't fault that. But it doesn't make up for just at times is a really weirdly paced story. Yeah, yeah, very. So that's that. So that just leaves us with what are we doing next week? And it was like, my choice this time. Like this. It was my choice. And we're still in the middle of summer. And I'm like, I want to do a big summer blockbuster type film. I want to go back to my sweet spot. The, the, the mid-90s. Okay. So I did that. I went, I think it's 94. 94. Um, Pop quiz, hot shot. I'm going to... Man's got a bomb strapped to his chest holding a hostage. What do you do? Oh. 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 Don't let the bus go above 55 <laughs> miles at speed. Yes! <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, amazing. I've never seen this film. So we are doing Speed. I like Speed. Uh, I think it's a great summer popcorn-y type yeah. film. And it meets the... It, it's about 85% Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Which I would not have thought. Oh, we didn't mention 86% for Girl with a Dragon Tattoo American version, so oh, to okay, qualify. Yeah, yeah. But Speed is my choice. Keanu Reeves and the film that made uh, Sandra Bullock Sandra a star Bullock. and the film that was Keanu Reeves' first comeback. Because <laughs> yeah. he's had three. Well, <laughs> he had this one, and then he had The Matrix in like '99 that made him a star again after he fell off the map. Now and John then he Wick. had John Wick that made him <laughs> yeah. a star after he fell off the map again. I mean, the guy's just—he's the comeback king. He's the cu- he is the comeback king. Talk about re- Madonna can go. I need to take some lessons on reinventing myself from Keanu Reeves. I thought John Travolta was the comeback king. Oh, no, it's you know, Keanu, Keanu Reeves Keanu, now. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm yeah. so looking forward to seeing this one. I've wanted to see it for a really long time. But don't watch the dodgy second one. <laughs> no, we're definitely going to leave the second one alone. It's the second one set on a boat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tr- cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I get it. Cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> so please join us next time when we talk about Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock in Speed. I look forward to it. So for Best Film Ever, I have been Ian. And I've been Liam. And I've been Ellie. And I hope much like Lisbeth, now that you've gone through this ordeal with us, you hope that you too have found a friend. Aww. We'll see you next time. Take care. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Hang on, hang on. You're right, you're right. <laughs> That's the outtakes. <laughs>